0: What's up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the host of The People's Party. I know you've been enjoying it so far. We thank you for your love and support. We got more People's Party coming up. We got all types of situations that you're going to want to tune into and never forget to watch. Talib Kweli, Jasmine Lee, it is The People's Party. Let's go. Let's go. What's up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the BKMC, the MCEO. You are now in tune to another wonderful, fantastic episode of The People's Party. Welcome to my wonderful co-host, Jasmine Lee. Give it up to Jasmine Lee, everybody.
1: Yeah. Don't stop, people. Don't stop. Jasmine. Yes. How you feeling? As always, I'm doing just well. Good,
0: good, good. So today's episode, we are keeping it 100% West Coast. Yeah. Los Angeles. You have been living in Los Angeles for how long now?
1: Six years in January, February.
0: Okay, so six years in Los Angeles. And I don't know if you've been put on the game yet. Oh, I'm on the game. You on the game yet? All right, well, today's guest represents Los Angeles heavy. Grammy nominated, West Coast motherfucking legend. Very complicated, very controversial, very passionate, very brilliant. Nine number one albums on Billboard in a row. The true definition of self-made. Yes. Welcome to the People's Party. The game. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. Like a New Yorker today. Yeah. What's yeah. up, Jim? Yeah. <laughs> it, it never rains in Southern California. They lied.
1: <laughs> <clears throat>
0: What's up, game? I'm chilling, dog how you big feeling? dog, big
2: homie man, <laughs> yeah, man. we I'm go back good. a long time, brother, a very long time, man, yes. even uh, I go back further with you than you go with me, um, tell me about it, just as a fan, man,, okay. just as a fan, um, you know, hip hop head, never mm-hmm. thought in a million years, I would be a rapper, let alone uh anywhere close to like sharing a table with you, man, as a legend. I'm just happy to be here,
0: man, happy for you to be here as well, um, in two thousand. Four, two 2005, around that <clears> year, <throat> certain rappers have impacted the rap business in a way that's indelible. Before they even drop a debut album, I'm talking about Nas, I'm talking about Snoop Dogg, and if you remember the buzz that they had before they dropped, it, right was, like, it was like they was on and had hit records out, and just because the industry was talking about it. Uh-huh. You was one of them rappers, where the industry, your buzz in the industry was so crazy. But at that time when you was like the toast of the town, and in many ways you still are, but at the beginning, you was running around, you took the time to do not one mixtape with me, but two, two songs with me from a mixtape, yeah, some the beautiful mixtape, one or two, and I wanna thank you for that. All oh, love, you know man, it was, my, it was my pleasure, man. No doubt, we got a record with Ludacris. Yeah. <laughs> Went to work with you later, and uh, with Black Thought. Black Thought Who's still my. to this day my favorite MC. Hey
2: man, uh, Black Thought, uh, outside of being an MC, what a what an incredible human
0: being, Absolutely. you know, through and through, man, so shout out to my brother, man. No doubt. Um, you, throughout your career, you are known to talk about a lot of different rappers and how they influence you, but I noticed from the first album to this last one, you know, you did the records with me and Black Thought. You talk about Common a lot. You sampled the same record that Common sampled on his new record. Um, you rapped about Jay Electronica. You worked on a record where y'all re, uh, repurposed a D'Angelo record. Yeah. I feel like you might have like a real conscious MC inside of you, <laughs> but the gangster side be trying to strangle him <clears throat> and
2: shit. Let me yeah. And <laughs> hey, you, uh, you, I mean, so I come from um uh my creators, uh, which are my mom and my father, mm-hmm. uh, two very intellectual human beings mm-hmm. in their own right, but still drop smack dead in the middle of South Central, you know, Los Angeles and Compton to be, you know, raised, um so as smart as my mother is, um, you know with her college degree and and everything that she knows about you know my mom majored in business in college and um, graduated and all that but she was a Hoover Crip mm-hmm. at the same time so I mean from you know from school straight back to the block um, my dad who um, ran around with uh, Tukey Williams and you know actually had run-ins with like Raymond Washington the, the founders of you know Crips Bloods mm-hmm. and all of that um was still one of the smartest human human beings I've ever known and a and a, and a poet um as well I feel like if my dad uh never did heroin or you know in in my younger years that I mean he could have been you know like he slept on himself mm-hmm. so um. The intellect, uh, the backpack rapper, the <laughs> underground MC aspect of uh, who I am in my career is, is just real organic and mm-hmm. I feel like I've always um, been more than appreciative of, you know, your craft and how you guys do it, never really even caring or, or even buying for any type of mainstream presence, just kind of doing what you do just straight for the love and mm-hmm. uh, that's the part of me that um, just loves and respects all that exists in that room,
0: no doubt. Um, rest in peace to your father, right? Yeah,
2: man. My, uh, my dad passed uh, January of 2018. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a rough life, a rough relationship. But uh, one thing that, you know, always will stand and that did stand to the day he died was I was son and he was father. Mm-hmm. Um, he never let me forget. Uh, and I was resentful and, and angry with him for a long time. But because I didn't I hadn't yet reached the plateau of fatherhood or parenthood, so to speak, to properly... Analyze what he was doing as a father Mm. um, in my youth and uh, you got to think like parents your parents My parents parents that came from the 70s and raised children in the 80s going into the 90s had it rough These is this is when this is a time when cocaine and and weapons were basically dropped in Mm -hmm. the smack dead of the you know these rural ghetto areas Mm -hmm. all over America and um our parents were forced to make decisions Mm -hmm. you know and when work got hard or life got hard i mean they turned to drugs at first it started off as just having a good time like these kids out here doing lean and popping pills it starts off as a good time later on becomes addiction addiction kills people and so you know long story short man uh rest in peace to a good man um and a bad man but i mean yet
0: and still uh my father in tow so yeah man both of my parents were professors because my parents were professors i enjoy a level of uh academic educational privilege that most people don't even get mm-hmm. some people don't even know their parents you know what i'm saying and um both of your parents is hoover crips so
2: well my dad was from nutty block okay same uh basically um it like it so my mom is from hoover mm-hmm. that's uh south central my dad's from compton he's from nutty block so yeah they both they both were crips but i mean you know one Crip, two crips i mean right. you know
0: now the idea of being raised in a family that's immersed in gang life is foreign to me. Um, And for a long time, for people on the East Coast, it's not so much anymore. Now we have people on the East Coast being born into gang life. And that wasn't the case when I first started in hip hop. But can you break down how that gang life becomes a family life coming from a place like Compton?
2: Um, I can, you know, what I can say is that, I mean, I walked walked home from school, at I mean five years old, yeah. and and I would I wouldn't even let my sixteen year old walk to school wow. in Calabasas these days. But mm-hmm. I was walking home from kindergarten, <laughs> past
1: <laughs> past
2: niggers on the corner. Yeah. I it it's almost it almost seems like a fairy tale to even think back to that. I would hear gunshots on the way home from school and wouldn't duck and wouldn't think nothing of it, but just to right. walk home. But it, it became it's it became such a such a normality yeah. that right even fathoming that or thinking back to that time, like hurts my soul because that is like, that's where I grew up. But in so many people, so many children across the world. Well, I mean, I don't care where you can go from here to Africa and you know, Japan and back, uh, the ghetto is the ghetto. That's right. Um, that dynamic, man, I don't know. No one should survive that. That's right. I don't, I, I can't even tell you how to make it out of that. I just know that I'm here. And that is my past and that shit is like beyond imaginable to me because I was walking home from the early age of like five years old from kindergarten through the hood through all like you know in, in LA it's like this corner could be Crips the next corner could be blood mm-hmm. so it's not like you know this whole it's not like Brooklyn where right. you got a whole city and this is these niggas in Staten Island no we got like blocks right so uh walking through all of that past crackheads and heroin addicts and syringes in the gutter and all the way till i get to my front door just to open the door and have my dad chopping dope you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and and walking into my kitchen to get a pop tart and bitches with their titties out like oh, i man. but it was normal to me i wasn't right. turned on by the grown women in the kitchen i just was walking to get something to drink or something mm-hmm. to eat making top ramen and you know for a chick to turn around like top naked like you know top naked and ask me you need some baby you know mm-hmm. like you know that right. was um that was Compton and that was my that was my you know the, dyna- the dynamics of my family um my mom worked the graveyard shift at the post office too and so after she finished you know helping my pops cook drugs and whatnot she would start making barbecue for the night shift because you know when you work graveyard shift ain't nobody got nothing to eat it's vending machines and it's nothing everything right. closed so my mom would have these five dollar barbecue plates at work you uh-huh. know bringing in extra income man and that's how um you become you know like that's how you that's how you ball
0: right. in the hood you know right.
2: daytime they selling drugs right nighttime my uh my mom was uh, making these dinners and also right. working for the government you a job
0: that doesn't exist that's exactly
2: yeah. what I'm talking about and then my dad I guess they wasn't they he they wanted to just have so much money. My dad started doing hair and he likes women. Wow. So, you know, a lot of people don't know my dad went to uh, Marinello, Marinello Beauty School in Los Angeles and got his, um, you know, his license to do hair so he could fuck bitches. <laughs> like that like but that's how that's what he was on. And that end up, you know, him doing hair and him, you know, uh having sex with his clients and whatnot was what, you know, ended my mom and my pop's uh relationship and uh yeah, everything after that got
0: sketchy. But I talk about it in my music from the first album till yeah. now. Compton, you brought up Compton, it's often romanticized but in a <clears> negative <throat> way. Um NWA made Compton famous, but Compton made NWA. Yeah. Compton made MC8 and you know CM, CM CMW TMW and <laughs> quick and all that like what is it about the stew of Compton because a lot of cities got problems you got Baltimore Detroit, right. you know, New Orleans You got a lot of cities with the same sort of uh, disparities and problems but What yeah. is it about Compton that makes Compton so unique whereas these creatives have come out of Compton? Um, you know what it is? I, I think
2: it's. I think. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I think it's just. Um, it was glorified by Easy and Dre and Cube mm-hmm. and NWA, and then from there it took a life of its own. Um, it 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 will live up to all stereotypes mm-hmm. and everything that you hear about Compton. Uh, you know the bad parts still existed I mean, it, the the oversaturation of blue and red has sort of dumbed down like crips can wear red and be comfortable mm-hmm. and you know bloods can wear blue and whatnot but the the aura uh, it being Compton as soon as you get off the 110 make a uh, make a left on Rosecrans and you start to pass you know certain certain lights and mm-hmm. or you make a left on Central and you see Pyro Street like mm-hmm. how many lives were lost on that street you know the world and 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 it, and that, for me, makes gangbanging on a on a world scale, mm. sort of, I take it as a disrespect. Sometimes I see, and, and I don't tell anybody what to do, I'm not nobody's judge, mm-hmm. but when I see people repping something that like, you know, where well, you're repping the street where my best friend got shot in the throat at and mm-hmm. lost his life, I mean, you know they—they they don't know that history and they right. don't know that story, so it's kind of to a slap street. in the face. And and but I mean, anyway, I'm no one's judge, and every man is, uh, you know, walking around, uh, you know, doing doing him. Mm-hmm. And who am I to say you can't do what? But um, just being from Compton, making it out of Compton, um, being a guy that when uh, I dropped the documentary and hopped in my Range Rover, I drove past a Kendrick Lamar standing on the street, mm-hmm. you know, throwing up a peace sign when the world didn't know Kendrick. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um. I, I drove through Los Angeles and 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 rolled my window down for Nipsey when the world didn't know mm-hmm. who who Nipsey was. You know what I'm saying? So, Compton man is the wi I don't I don't know that it necessarily differs from mm-hmm. anything else. I just know that for me, being from Compton, um,
0: it, it must feel like a, how it feels for for a nigga that's from Baltimore, man. Right? You know what I'm saying? As you're speaking, I'm thinking maybe it's the proximity to Hollywood, maybe it's the proximity to the lights.
2: I. I couldn't uh, I couldn't uh, I couldn't have thought of that mm-hmm. but that's exactly what I'm saying yeah it's like a lot of people even me um, I'll tell you something uh, before I signed to Dre I never been on this side of the uh, 101 freeway mm-hmm. like on the other side I mm-hmm. never I thought the the valley I thought that shit was like San Francisco right. I never seen the Hollywood sign until I was 20 some years old wow. and wow. and a lot of niggas that's from Compton we don't leave Compton. That's like
0: niggas from Brooklyn who have never been across the bridge. Yeah, Same shit. If
2: yeah. you think about that, it's crazy. Because once you cross the bridge and see how close everything is to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. then you like, damn. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I used to think that, you know, we have a mall over here that's called the Fox Hills Mall. Now it's mm-hmm. called Westfield. Um, yeah, but too many that, Westfields in the country. yeah. That's this was, <laughs> yeah. This is where we would go. We mm. would go to the Fox Hills to see chicks, but we felt like we was on a mission, like on a road trip, where nigga yeah. damn there needed a bag. You know what I'm saying? To go that far, yeah. And you know, as an adult though, that shit five minutes from Compton yeah. on the freeway with no traffic. So it's just like yeah, it is because it's in close proximity to Hollywood and everything that's going on that it's glorified a lot more. Mm. But um, yeah, man, Compton is a f- fucked up city but mm-hmm. I mean it's got light too mm-hmm. and uh, I I mean I wouldn't change nothing about it nothing about my upbringing it's made me who I am but yeah man it's still shit going on right now from from the dirt mm-hmm. all the way up into the mayor's office It's mm-hmm. still terrible and corrupt and up. yeah man it's not fair to these you know to the youth
1: why do you feel um, people get stuck in Compton? because like you said it happens in <coughs> Brooklyn It have, I'm from Roosevelt which is an all-black neighborhood when I went back one of my homies was like, you got out. And I'm like, what do you mean I got out? Buy a plane ticket and go somewhere. So what do you think it is that's keeping these people in these proximity? Uh, fear. Mm.
2: The fear of what is on the other side of that fence. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the fear of the unknown. It's, am I gonna be comfortable there? What am I gonna do here? I don't know anyone here. You know, and, and for Compton in L- LA, where, where we differ from everybody else, mm-hmm. is that again, you walk two blocks and mm-hmm. you are in violation. So how can you get uh, a young African-American or a young Hispanic male to fathom going across the city when a nigga can't go to the corner without almost losing his life every single time you take a step? Mm
0: -hmm. So that's how you get stuck. Um, Your story, your rap story starts with pain. It starts on a hospital bed. You're shot. Um, People who are fans of the game know that story well, that you studied these classics. Uh, you say that you never really rapped before studying these classics while you were laid up on the hospital right. bed. Um, for people who may not know that story, can you tell us which classic albums those were that you were studying? Um classic albums for
2: me, I was the first nigga in Compton to put anybody on reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. Niggas told me get this whack East Coast shit out of here mm-hmm. in a dope spot. Niggas was only listening to, to uh you know E40 and you know we went as far as uh Big Mike and and uh UGK, but niggas did not want to hear no funk flex, mm-hmm. fucking nothing, no mixtape. Niggas was like a mixtape, this is bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I make my own mixtapes. Everybody wanted to be their own you know, get they tape and record, and then press stop right on, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and get your own mixtapes. But um, yeah, man, uh, that shit, it's just like, West Coast niggas are different, man. I mean, and you know everybody else will say their niggas is different, but these niggas out here, and I'm one of them, uh, and I don't like, I'm not taking myself out yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, we we some weird-ass niggas, man, because we don't... <laughs> we just think it's just L.A. or die, man, yeah. and that right. shit is... The world is so much bigger than that, so all my homies, the ones that still have not left Compton, and the ones who have came at least to Hollywood to support or to come out and see a club, like, they just still... <laughs> they don't get it man and I'm like yo the world is so much bigger and so every time I don't know if you notice know either every time I go on tour I take two of my homies that have never been anywhere of course the ones that can are able mm-hmm. to get a passport and I just bring them and just show them the world and every nigga I bring back don't give a fuck about this shit when they come back they be like right yo the world is just huge they not tripping no more they yeah. don't want to do this they want to do that and so yeah man it's just a stigma
0: of just being I don't know. Educated backwards. Yeah. I was watching the, on HBO. They got a documentary about Ralph Lauren right now, which me as a Brooklyn nigga, I had to watch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, um, but they talked about Ralph Lauren and his wife, who was his muse, had this vision board, and and that's a popular thing now with people, with younger people, like having vision boards and whatnot. But I feel like he, they showed some of his vision board and it's like, wow, he really, he really planned that shit out. Like he yeah. really saw everything that he was meant to see. I feel like your lyrics and the way that you approached the game was like a vision board. It was like, I'm going to be on a level of working with Dr. Dre. I'm going to work with Nas, you know what I'm saying? Um, So I think your story is very inspirational. Born to Rap is a great name for an album. You say that this is your last album. I don't I don't think this is your last album.
2: Yeah, Nip said the same thing. Yeah, he said LeBron, it on your album. Le, LeBron LeBron, <laughs> LeBron doubled um I, I think that uh just to touch on that. Um You know, to have nine number one albums when um, I didn't never care that one of them went number one, which all that that means to me is that my fans uh, and people that appreciate real music, real Mm -hmm. stories, and the soul of who I am as an artist have appreciated me Mm -hmm. for a very long time. So I'm appreciative of that. I think that uh, at 40 years old, it's not not the age that plays a part. I think that because I've been so focused, um, the younger me was focused on, like, wondering why hip-hop wasn't what i thought it was mm-hmm. as far as like authenticity mm-hmm. i thought when w- like when when biggie and pop died niggas died mm-hmm. yeah. from beefing so i thought if you beef in hip-hop niggas, somebody has to get shot or die right. or it goes there so when i got into hip-hop and niggas wasn't trying to die from the beef, I was like, "Well, fuck! What am I in? <laughs> niggas is like, so niggas gay. are squashing it and apologizing, right. and and I'm also a, a, a you know a gang member. Right. And when you beefing in the hood, nigga, niggas die. Mm-hmm. So once it's two two things. Uh, once I was once I start beefing with uh you know Joe Budden, uh early on in my career, and and I, I thought like I was supposed to kill this nigga when I saw him, <laughs> right. And he wasn't that type of guy. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? He was a dope-ass lyricist, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't a gangster rapper. He wasn't Raekwon the chef Mm -hmm. or one of them niggas like that. Not saying that he's not from the hood or he's not this or not that, but he just wasn't ready to take it You know where I was willing to take it. He had dudes that was with him, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, Uh, that was ready, but he per se wasn't wasn't going down that, that alley with me. And so we ended up squashing that shit. And mm-hmm. that's when I learned a hard lesson like, this shit, you don't have to take this shit that <laughs> right serious. Now. Then my second instance is my first award show. Uh, after my first album, I went to, I don't know if it was a vibe or BT, but me and Mary J was on stage with my son. And when I sat, when I got up from my seat and went to the bathroom, they put models in my seat mm-hmm. and told them the to clap, is. nigga. Yeah. And, and, then, and then the seat dude was pillars. like, we'll be back in five. Yeah. Okay, everybody start clapping. Right. I was like, nigga, this is like this the Truman show. Yeah. Nigga, this is trash. Yeah. I've never been to a war show since, bro. Mm. Because I'm not for the the I'm not for the green screen. Yeah. Like this shit that I live, people really are living and dying in it, you know what I'm saying? And I saw hip hop as like a way out, like most of us did, a way to vent, get your point across, maybe fuck some bitches and buy some cars, which I'm so beyond now, mm-hmm. but it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And so if you go down my career um, to the song with me and um Lil Wayne, my mm-hmm. life, it was oh, like yeah. I wore this shirt, like hip hop broke my heart. Mm-hmm. And I really, somebody made that shirt for me, it was Snoop Dogg stylist um, and, that shit was how I felt. Like when Nas felt like hip hop was dead, mm-hmm. he didn't like where it was going for him. And so that what that's how we felt. Right. I expressed myself the same as, as the greats that I follow, man. And so, you know.
1: On um Born To Rap, you have on your song, The Light, you say if it's only hip hop, tell them step in this Any light. nigga. Yes, and then you shout out, <laughs> <laughs> you shout out Cole, Kendrick, Drake, Future, Big Sean. Is that <clears throat> like your list of people right now that you go to?
2: I try to, uh... I tried to pick out the heavy hitters uh, of this generation, and uh, sort of challenge them. Uh, there was, uh, you know, a few more heads that didn't get to make the song. I mean, I couldn't squeeze niggas in. It was, mm-hmm. you know, I had to make sure I got the ones that I felt were the most influential. Um, the Travis Scotts, the Futures, the J, of course, J Cole and Kendrick. I would love, I would love to. Mm-hmm. On any on any day when the <laughs> when the when the sun next shines on the pitbull's ass, I would love to go at lyrical warfare. Just that, right? With some of the young MCs that I admire, and you know, and and Cole and Kendrick, you know, to be you know one and two. I feel like. I feel like Cole and Kendrick is uh, like, I don't know, sort of Jay-Z and Nas, but like, yeah. Yeah. you know, Kendrick is from yeah. here. I feel like they go hand yeah. in hand. I feel like if Cole and Kendrick do an album, like it's accepted like them niggas is a group. Yeah, you know yeah. what mm-hmm. I'm saying? They and talked it,
0: about that for a second, but it never yeah, materialized. Yeah, I
2: think it should materialize mm-hmm. one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, just just challenging niggas without, with, and, and putting a disclaimer the on if it's only hip hop, right. tell niggas step in my light. Cause I don't want you to feel like if I say something about game on a record, if I throw a shot that th- today, days game is going to beat you the fuck up with some shit when i see you like i'm <laughs> far past that Kendrick did Ain't that
0: it. a little bit with that king of new york record right or that was it a record or the line he said when he was like i'm the new king of new that york that was control control and yeah. then he said that line yeah niggas and they feel but <clears with throat> see that is um that was bold mm-hmm.
2: and that is hip hop and mm-hmm. it pissed a lot of people off but as pissed off as you were you couldn't like you know you couldn't take away his his skill
0: He became King Kendrick after that. They started calling
2: him King Kendrick. Exactly. And I mean, uh, you know, if any, you know, people are watching, going to watch, like, that's don't challenge that kid. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, I did it because, like, kids don't try this at home. Mm -hmm. I know that Kendrick would hear his name and be like, big brother. (laughs) You know? Um, and the same with Cole, but yeah, Kendrick is not to be challenged I used to feel like that about Eminem in my mm-hmm. early uh, in the early years But uh, you know
0: Kendrick in, in my mind Kendrick has taken that I mean you rapped about that though right? Yeah. On the record you rapped about how you know first uh, uh, Experienced some jealousy over Kendrick. Yeah, um, but then what's <coughs> interesting is that I was at the um There was a show There was like a passing of the torch show where Kendrick was on stage, and Snoop was on stage, and you was on stage, Yeah, so you did a speech. I was in the audience for that. Um, and it was like, it was like your, your speech, I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was like, this is the new West Coast. Mm. And I did Snoop to his part, I did my part, it's time for you, exactly. and, and the young boy Kendrick almost had tears in his eyes that night. Yeah. Um, so I think you, you definitely see the trajectory. You took Kendrick and Nipsey on the LAX tour. Yeah, man. Tell and us about that.
2: Well, number one, once I told, uh, you know, the powers that be, because everything in L.A. has to happen with uh, sanction of mm-hmm. the big homies. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you violate that or you don't, the conversation doesn't run its course, mm-hmm. then you'll be looking over your shoulder for, for any for the, mm-hmm. as long as you would like to stay living in this city. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not pay- ready to pick up and like move, like, nigga, run it through the per- the right channels, even still to this day where now I can sit at the table. Um, I was at Mastro's last night with, you know, some real big heads. Um, That run the city, you know Mm. the underground part of it. That's crazy!
0: I almost went to Mastros
1: last night. Me too. Yeah, if you saw it, it,
2: you would have you you (laughs) would have felt like you walked in and saw the Black Sopranos
0: because we were sitting there. Really, I went hiking in that area and I drove past. (laughs) (laughs) I went hiking over there by Mastros. Yeah, yeah, I was in there last night for for (laughs) I
2: I don't know, I guess like a magnified. Gang mm-hmm. meeting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 and it's important that, that those things happen. And, if, and, I'm, and I think it's dope they include me. Um, but it, it's, it's on how we can keep the younger generation mm-hmm. of gang members from confusing what the purpose is. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. the purpose from you know from way back in the day with uh, you know T. Rogers and Raymond Washington. If you don't know those, those are the guys that were. At the epicenter of gang bang, gang banging um it started as just like uh protect yourself from the police the type of thing and yeah. let's not let's not walk it wasn't even like let's beat the police up or let's fuck mm-hmm. the police up it was yo to live can you walk home with me bro mm-hmm. because i ain't trying to like yeah. go through this by myself niggas see us walking hey yo game to leave let 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 me and my brother walk with y'all yeah. and then after two weeks niggas is mobbing police called it a gang mm-hmm. and you know they wore the colors to sort of separate themselves from the other dudes who wore blue but it was peaceful in the beginning so anyway long story short uh, meeting last night man with uh some big wigs came out everything was all love positive Uh, they let me pay for the bill they oh, said that's was, so sweet. they said I was number one and I should I should have it mm-hmm. so yeah I did that right. and uh, yeah it was like <laughs> I didn't have any other option right 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 um, <laughs> and it's tricky because one of them bought me uh bought rosé and gave it to me for the number one album, oh. and then I had to pay the check, right? So <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, man, but so yeah, like,
1: <laughs> that's, that's what my father used to do to my mom. But uh, it's funny that you guys are having a gang meeting in Mastro's. Like, can we take a second to see how like professional and big that is?
2: Everybody came in with big coats on, some fur, some like leisure suits mm-hmm. and uh i really wish that it was like filmed or something because it was it was it was crazy walking walking into that because i'm you know i'm always late so i was the last one but um yeah it was good it was cool man it was real cool to be a part of
0: that now you went you said your parents came from a crip neighborhood and yeah you went to a high school <clears throat> if i if i'm stating this right you could correct me if i'm wrong you went to a high school that was mostly Crip.
2: i went to a high school that was all crips right. not mostly oh, wow. and if you was a blood you you took that shit off before you got a block for you know mm-hmm. to the school like me. I would come up out my uh, my Dennis Rodman or my Scottie Pippen or my Jordan or my Cool Coach jersey. Like that's all I wore back in the day, mm-hmm. cause uh, uh, and that's how I chose my gang, cause based off Michael Jordan was wow. oh. the Bulls, and I really loved the Bulls, and so I would be walking through the neighborhood, cause I lived in Santana Block Crip, um, and they would be like, "Come on, Jay, with the jersey. Come mm-hmm. on, cuz with the jersey." And I would just be like, all right, fine. I start putting the jersey in the backpack. Once I got to the to the Blood Hood, I would put it back on. Wow. Once I got into a Crip Hood, I would take it back off. And then when I finally got to school, of course, it was in the backpack. And I would just go through my day with the white T-shirt on. Mm. When I get out when I get out of school, I went to uh, my brother's dope spot, put the jersey back on. Now wow. I can actually put my rag out and put it back in my pocket. I did some strategic gang <laughs> man.
1: <laughs> Niggas
0: smart. that didn't. Right. Got shot in the face. Right. Wow. so. But that seems like a lot of commitment. What made you, at that age, make such a commitment like
2: that? Um, just wanting to be a part of something cool. Mm-hmm. Niggas was wearing chains. Um, the rope chains, we didn't see I seen on the East a lot. Mm-hmm. That wasn't our thing. We wore heron bones. Hair and bones. if you right. got a crinkle in that motherfucker, right. it was over. You, you could rap. throw you could you could drop it. Yeah. And, and if a nigga saw it, you he it. didn't want it. Wow. <laughs> so it's like, you know, just big hair and bones, man, mm-hmm. and and just cutlasses with the Euro with the Euro front end on gold Daytons, all of that shit, man, was just I wanted to be a part of that so fucking bad, man. And my mom, even though my parents were both gang members, um, my daddy used to tell me, you're gonna bang, you're gonna be a crip. Yeah. You know, and my mom didn't really care. She just loved me and she tried everything. That's who I really hid gangbanging from until I couldn't hide it no more, um, was my mom. And uh, she was heartbroken. And uh, when, when she found out I was gangbanging, she, uh, she kicked me out the house. Yeah. And uh, that was the end of us living together. Um, and that was it. Like, that's, I could really say I broke my mom's heart when uh, I decided to go full fledged. So, mm.
1: it's kind of crazy because, like, you know, when you have two parents that went to the same college, like, my parents went to Howard and then I went to FAMU, and it's like they expect you to go to Howard. So, it's like <laughs> your father right. It's like, I'm a crip, you gotta follow the family business. Yeah. So, was was there ever any static between your father
2: with that? Uh, nope. My dad kind of just said, you know, he, they, they called me Mama's Boys are you a mama's boy my brother my older brothers you know I was the runt basically mm. of the family um I stayed up under my mama for as long as I could until my brother got killed when I was in the 8th grade mm. and after that I decided that only thing I wanted to do was like get revenge and be the hardest mm. the best gang member ever and so with me um even like into my rap career anything that I really want to do I'm gonna to rise to the top of it, and so that's how I took gang banging, and I just wouldn't, I wouldn't die, I wouldn't take no losses, and and again to go back to what I was saying about my mom, she was so devastated that when I got shot mm-hmm. and went and slipped into a coma, she didn't come see me. Oh no. Yeah, and uh, it it wasn't that she didn't love me, mm-hmm. she just told me not to, and she told me how I was gonna end up, and that's how I ended mm-hmm. up, and she wasn't fucking with that. So, Must've been hard for her though. Yeah, yeah, it was it was terrible, man. She uh she good now, um with you know <laughs> everything that I have turned out to be, and and the, she's most part proud of uh, the way I parent, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But uh, everything else, the not the records, the money, the the lure of the gang lifestyle, none mm-hmm. of that. She don't still to this day don't support and don't. She not proud of that.
0: Right. Now you developed like I was talk, talking earlier about your buzz before you came out <clears throat> right. uh, with your debut album, um the documentary. Um, many labels were interested. You had a bidding war. Mm-hmm. Puff was involved. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Pharrell involved or something? Puff, point? Pharrell, wow. uh, Dr. Dre and De- uh, Shug. How
2: did you do that? As someone Russell who wasn't. Russell and rap- Kevin Lyles. Too. Okay. How'd you How'd you develop such a buzz? You know what? I really I went and I went out and I did what niggas forgot how to do. I promoted myself. Mm. I was on Melrose at you remember the barbershop on Melrose and Spalding? It was a barbershop car wash right there. Yeah. Every nigga went there to get their hair cut. And yeah. you would just I got my hair cut there once. You would leave your yeah. you would leave your car to wash because the like it was like you couldn't find parking. That's smart. So you would take your car to get washed, even if it didn't need to get washed and just mm-hmm. walk off, see some girls and mm-hmm. you know whatnot. But I stood out there with uh my CD and uh I would just I wouldn't sell it. Cause I was still selling dope. I would just give it to people, and I didn't care if they threw it or, you know, didn't throw it or listen to it mm-hmm. or didn't. I just made sure that I touched every everybody that passed by, man. And I right. think I put maybe like $150,000 of drug money into CDs and burning max sale CDs and handing them out um and that's really what did it and i w- there was not a microphone and you remember this there was not a microphone in la at an amateur night or at a club that mm-hmm. i didn't touch that's right if you was hosting the club right. if fabulous was hosting the club like and he was performing like i would have a mic and that did that so much to where the djs um, who are now all big djs uh you know like sour milk and mm-hmm. and charisma and all these big Djs now they're on the radio and have right. like a following these young were california like, yeah these were yeah, that's who it was right. it was young california um and just incredible right. these were all right. young Djs club Djs and it got to a, it got to a point I did it so much that they would just have a mic ready for anybody mm. I don't care Buster rhymes that's how I met Busta even before dragon I would just right. rap man you I got I a real rap. special relationship with Buster Buster man yeah man right. yeah Busta is um, man, uh, like a father figure, like an older mm-hmm. brother he don't hold no punches, he tell me when I'm wrong, mm-hmm. he scream at me, mm-hmm. I allow it. You let, he let him do, do that on a record. Yeah, man, bust, <laughs> Yeah, and that's why we did that <laughs> right, record. Right, and right. people don't, a lot of people don't know that The Doctor's Advocate was courted, recorded in Sony Studios, which is no more, mm-hmm. um, but in the basement, I spent two months in New York with hip hop police following me around when I leave and when I came, cause that was at the point where me and 50, mm-hmm. I don't even know why the fuck I would stay in New York. That was some like biggie, like I, if I could take a moment. please. I really wish that um Biggie and Pac were like 30 Mm -hmm. and not 24 imagine we saw them get to the age dude because there was no way that anybody should have let Biggie get on a plane to LA in the midst of Of all that of of all that shit bro Mm -hmm. like Tupac just died like Mm -hmm. you gotta I would have stayed in New York until niggas forgot
0: right and I've heard stories about Jay-Z didn't want to come to the west coast at all during any of that right yeah smart But that,
1: that just goes to, um, to what you were saying how back in the day that rap beef was real like so you really had to <clears throat> watch Whereas now you can curse somebody out and be standing next to them in the club
0: but
2: yeah and so and you know in hindsight my dumb ass was in New York middle of the beef with 50 and the bottom of um and the bottom of uh, Sony recording a doctor's advocate, Busta, mm-hmm. Nas, like I was there and mm-hmm. I was out in Chelsea Piers hooping every every morning. Me and DJ Clue was at Chelsea Piers mm-hmm. hooping and uh it was an idiot move and, and and I always say like, you know, luck plays a part or fate or whatever it is because there's no way that I shouldn't have died in that point in time of my career because we weren't play we weren't playing. Right. Like it, a lot of people don't know either that um, people died in that beef with wow. me and 50. It just yeah. wasn't me and 50. Right. You know, what I'm saying henchmen right. got locked up like mm-hmm. niggas died. You know, what I'm yeah. saying like and not to go, you know, too far into it. But there were lives lost uh, on both sides, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, being here now, like that shit was it wasn't that wasn't smart. Mm.
0: Um, I want to get into more of that. But before we get into that. Around that time, also, you, you were killing a mixtape game. You know uh, you know even before the beef with 50 working with who kid yeah. working with clue working with uh, you know who else was, was popping at that time case lay um, yep. you know you was like one of the only West Coast dudes doing that where did you get the inspiration to make sure that you was it name was hot on the, the only yeah on the mixtapes. I
2: can't remember another West Coast nigga rapping when I was rapping in the beginning of my career yeah. it was me and me and it was—I uh, mean, you know—you had Snoop, you had Dre working on detox, mm-hmm. but um, I, I don't remember having a like an ally out here. I mm-hmm. was just, I just put the shit on my back, and I had to go with what Dre gave me. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that Dre wasn't like he wasn't there there. Mm-hmm. You know, like I thought, like when you when I saw when I saw the Chronic album, or Doggy Style or Eminem shit, Dre was there there, mm-hmm. but for me. He wasn't there, and I didn't really understand why not until, you know, like recently. And he was just, me and Dre had a conversation, and he was just like, You had everything figured out. Wow. Nobody couldn't tell you shit. So to sit you down or to push you in this direction, it wasn't going to work. So I didn't right. have the time to waste for you.
0: He couldn't A&R develop the way he was doing it. He couldn't with do it. Artists. He
2: was like, I told you not to do a mixtape before your album. You did it. He I did told you not to beef with 50. You still did it. Mm-hmm. He was like, I just sat back. I knew you would, you know, probably come out okay, but mm-hmm. there was a, you know, a small percent that you might not make it out at all, and I didn't want to. Be, I didn't want to have my hand in that, so that's why he stepped back. And I didn't know until a conversation I had with him recently. So
0: now you um you did your first album with Dre, sort of behind the boards and behind behind you the documentary, and it was very successful. Yeah. It's a classic hip hop album. But then you came immediately the next year with a Doctor's Advocate, which uh, I <clears> know there was some cuts released online that supposedly Dre was involved with but the the actual on the album there were no actual Dre beats yeah. on that album right? Yeah
2: I like and again people don't know um the the tracks that Dre I was being a manish ass like Aftermath was like a family mm-hmm. or a household and Dre was like the dad you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying and so I put those songs on the internet myself the ones that Dre did cuz I didn't want him to have any involvement in the album I was pissed off at him mm-hmm. for uh what I doing what I felt like was choosing 50 side mm-hmm. and uh but I mean financially uh interscope aftermath as a structure i would have done what dre did i mean 50 was making Mm -hmm. he was the bulk of the money and also as a business like i mean he he was contracted to you know jimmy alvin and interscope as well so he Mm -hmm. couldn't jump out the window Mm -hmm. uh for his little homie he considered a talented artist that he signed and now i understand that but i didn't then so i didn't want dre to have anything um to do with my album i didn't want interscope to have nothing to do with my Mm -hmm. album so they put me on geffen Right. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like when your mama check you out of school because the school's saying, you know, yo, you yeah. live up here acting crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to go to school down the street. And so that's what Jimmy Iovine did. He, he put took game by himself away from Interscope, After G-Unit, and left me on Geffen um, by myself. And they gave me a budget. I, flew I was New- on Geffen at that
0: time, so you wasn't by yourself. I
2: wasn't. Hey, you know, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, keep going. But, keep but going. yeah, they gave me a budget. They uh, They gave me a budget. I took that, and I went to New York, and I felt like... I should be in the middle of everything that's fucked up with me right now and I should record this album and that's what I did and in two months which is why you know you know how hard it is to record mm-hmm. a classic body of work mm-hmm. in two months 60 days I recorded the doctor's advocate in total and brought it back and turned it in and as soon as Jimmy Iveen heard one blood he started slobbing on the knob <laughs> cuz niggas knew that I could stand alone and right. we put one blood out and that shit erased everything that anybody was talking about any doubt any mm. he needs trey he needs 50 mm. and all of that and for that reason doctors advocate till till born to rap has been my favorite uh mm. favorite album I, I ain't like the documentary to me really? it was yeah because niggas too many niggas had a hand in it and even though i don't i'm not like, almost
0: like it's like it put together by committee
2: it got yeah mm-hmm. it, i was allowed to rap mm-hmm. um and niggas had a hand after my I did my verse everybody mm-hmm. start right. you know putting in hands and move and it had moving pieces but this was before i understood a team of niggas needed to do it you know and uh well that's
0: interesting to me because i you know i like both of them albums i'm i remember being a fan being impressed like i knew just being someone in the industry when you're listening you know shout out to high tech shout out to steve b you know people like that Steve B
2: still mixing he makes more in the rap i I know
0: i noticed you you talked about that you know shout out to steve he's an incredible engineer um got a great ear um but you know, I remember listening to that album, the documentary, and being like, "Damn, this shit is dope." But knowing the hot, the hands behind it, Uh uh-huh. then you came out with the Doctor's Advocate. I'm like, "Oh, this nigga could do this shit without everybody. Like, this is just all him." Right. Um. But you mentioned the beef with Fifty. It got deadly serious. Um. There was a lot of false, from my perspective, a lot of false. Uh, Coming back together, or this is over. This is over, and then y'all were still getting <clears throat> shots to each other. Right. But then after a number of years, it seemed like it was really over. It was pictures of y'all or footage of y'all in a strip club mm-hmm. together. Um, now that, like me as a, for me as a fan, it's over. But for me as a fan, as a fan of Fifty the, mu- uh, the the musician, and Fifty has shown me a lot of love, and you show me a lot of love. Can you talk to me about if you feel like this exists any magic musically between y'all?
2: I think that. Um now me I would entertain I would entertain it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just because not because I'm unselfish, I'm an unselfish MC. I feel like I would do it for the sake of cats who want to hear it, mm-hmm. who want to see it, who relished in uh, in that moment that me and 50 had. And I mean if me and 50 never had a beef, nigga, mm-hmm. we might be billionaires by mm-hmm.
0: now. Yeah. Um, it was a good situation equally, from the outside looking in.
2: Me and him in the studio by ourselves Mm -hmm. with an engineer was fucking A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Mm -hmm. Like he knew what to do. I knew what to do. We put our voices together and that shit made magic. We got, I got songs with me and 50 that are Mm -hmm. still on hard drives Mm -hmm. in my house um, that are timeless. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I I would definitely uh, be open to it. Um, 50... He move a little different you know even though he forgives he don't forget and I'm talking about I really fucked up G unit clothing the record company the Mm. whole shit I put G unit in flames Mm. and uh, yeah he don't he didn't like that okay and (laughs) still to this day Power being as amazing as, as it is, I watch Power every season, every episode, Who Killed Ghost, nigga, I'm waiting. Wait, you know what let I'm us saying? know,
1: come on. I'm,
2: no, I don't fucking know. Who. I know, not you, I'm saying to nigga, in general. I know what? you. Know. I don't know. But yeah, man, I'm waiting like everybody else, so I'm a fan of that. Um, but I know one thing for sure is that if 50 is gonna be a power in hip hop at any moment from now, or come with anything that's gonna be like Really looked at and judged as like, damn, 50 back? He mm. got to be standing next to me.
0: Mm. Yeah, I just pictured a G-Unit tour which y'all doing Hated to Love It. That would but ring off. Like a Marion and Bow Wow,
2: but gangster.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm down, hey.
1: for, I'm down for that. And shout out to them,
2: nigga. Marion is doing wonders. He like, is the, the, he nigga. the goat right yeah, now. Yeah. I seen the little tour. La, 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 I seen yeah. that shit. I was like, this little nigga a genius. Man. He yeah. is the goat. The fact, he, he playing chestnut, not The most Run. unbothered nigga on the earth.
1: Listen. And it's like, everybody's talking about it. He's like, all right, I'm going to let y'all talk. I'm going to let hey, y'all talk. I'm nigga. just going to post little my meditation Fizz, Hey,
2: Little Fizz would get beat up every day of the week if yeah, I was Yeah, he deserves
1: it. But (laughs) he deserves it. It's like that's just that's just on any type of. I feel like I
0: know uh, 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 as much about this beef as I. Need to know and not anymore. lot. finally some of that
1: is up, and but,
0: up with the hey, in the But, hey, in part. Like, I was already wrong. an adult
2: when B2K came out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you
1: listen to B2K, don't do
2: that to <laughs> me. I was like right on the edge. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, came, bump, bump, bump. I came right into uh, Icebox where my heart need to be. <laughs> oh, that's good. You know that's what I'm saying? That was yeah. like, damn, I really like this song, but I'm a gangster rapper. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but man, but uh, peace and blessings to uh, Marion just for his composure mm-hmm. through it all, man. For you know, because sure. it takes a lot. Those are uh, that man's children, mm-hmm. and uh, it takes a lot as a father to hold mm-hmm. back, man, so. Yeah, man. I'm and like, then peace and blessings to the other half, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, for real, man. They don't
1: like, got to be, I just feel
0: like they don't have
1: to be- If it in love, out, out. Like I do I know that right.
0: <laughs> That's my boy band yeah, right there. Man. You
1: listen to B2K, you know. I mean, listen I
0: listen to in any Heartbreak, man.
1: You were listening to InSync the other day. <laughs> but uh what, before we go up the fifty thing, what's your favorite
2: song with you in fifty? Um uh probably I mean hate to love it. I
1: love
2: You that know, to Love It is, is is timeless. And uh Dre is big on timeless records. Mm-hmm. Dre is also big on never mentioning the time or the date in any record. Oh, right. Um, he feel like that immediately dates it, which is which is smart. If you listen to Dre Records, they don't have Shit, it might you might hear Snoop saying like it's 1994, cuz right. like, but Dre don't like that, you know right. what I'm saying? So, um, Hated to Love It was a record that uh, Dre oversaw. Um, Fifty, pff, the hook, man, the first half of the hook, like Hated to Love It, the underdogs on top, that like one that one. was what Fifty felt about me at the time. Mm-hmm. He wrote that by himself. I came in, wrote the second half. Um, furthermore stamping the fact that 50 didn't write shit for me he wrote for himself <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying and, and <laughs> on a game album like <laughs> right. he wrote it would be like you on my album nigga mm. you wrote your own verse that don't right. mean you wrote for game right. you know what I'm saying but uh, and, and, and still 50 is uh, one of the most uh, melodically inclined niggas ever him like uh, I would say it like almost a young thug or a Roddy Rich no matter yeah. what they say them niggas is you know what I'm saying you're like regular niggas can't I don't I don't hear that. Yeah. Right. I would never hear that. You know right. what I'm saying? I hear the one. I know where my bar is supposed to
0: slide in, and I'm ready to flip. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like I'm an MC. Yeah, mm. but some it's not niggas just a, are unorthodox. On that record, it's the melodies. Of course, it's the track. The sample is gorgeous. <coughs> but y'all really dug deep. Fifty talk about his mom. Vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, you Coming talk up, about. I was confused. You talking about mama your mom kissing a girl. Yeah, like, no, man you lot. was vulnerable on that record too like yeah y'all, 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 like that that's the that's the conscious mc game on that record yeah the shit you, you know like halfway through that verse you start just spazzing out some just like talking about the state of the black community
2: mm-hmm. yeah you know and and i'll let you know something that a lot of people don't know um on that record we recorded that record in uh connecticut at mike tyson's old mansion that 50 owned. yeah i've been there and when we did yeah, that, <clears throat> when we did that 50 had already he did the record mm-hmm but he was already uh moving away from me from the game in 50 mm-hmm. situation because and I blame Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre spent too much time on the completion of the doctors I mean of the documentary mm-hmm. and he didn't spend the fourth quarter of 50's uh massacre album mm-hmm. working with 50 and the massacre mm-hmm. still did numbers yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying but 50 felt like Dre should have did that and then finished games since 50 had lended his time to me, you know what I'm saying? Which I felt like, you know, in a perfect man's world, that Dre should have focused on 50 Mm -hmm. and then came and saw the documentary second. But the documentary was coming out so um, amazing Mm -hmm. that no one wanted to take time off of it and everybody felt like 50 knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we started to uh, distance ourselves when we were recording hater to love him that was one of the nights where we ain't really talk we did wow. what we did and we made an incredible record and I, I went back to the w in um times square and he stayed at his house and uh after that the next time you heard of me and 50 anything was having a shootout at hot mm-hmm. 97 on the on wow. the grad i mean on the in the snow mm-hmm. and by the way if you're a nigga from new york and and you know what New York snow do and I'm from California and, and never been in no real this is one of the coldest nights in New York mm-hmm. history. Um nigga, I had on Converse, running the snow. What? I must have slipped 80 times trying to get to the to the escalade. Mm. We was busting real bullets. Mm-hmm. One of my homies got hit. Uh, you know, he's still alive, you know, and, and in jail. But um, yeah, man, like we was shooting, they was shooting, shit was mm-hmm. crazy. Me and fifty stared each others in the eyes with guns drawn. Guns drawn, two diggers that was friends and homies, Mm. and it came up in hip-hop together, and uh, I don't even know who fired first shot, I just know we were shooting at each other. Mm. And at that moment, everything was in slow motion, it wasn't about nobody else that was there, even though I had 30 niggas with me, and 50 had 30 niggas with him, Mm. man, it's it's almost a blessing that only one person got hit, and in the leg at that, Mm. you know, for that matter.
1: Uh, I don't know how religious you are, but you keep talking about how you should have been gone and, and things that like that, and then <clears> you're literally in a gunfight in Converse's. Like, do you ever sit down and wonder, like, what did God keep me here for? Like, what is my purpose to stay on here? How did I get saved from that? You know what?
2: Um, I'm religious to the point to say that uh, I like, I, I love having faith in life, in people, in myself. Um, and so I'm religious for that only. I can't go back to the beginning of Jesus and God and the creation of the earth and who was this and who was this goddess and that. I I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I grew up how my grandmother told me to grow up as far as religion is concerned. And I think that the Bible and religion are great sources of uh, faith, faith in anything, faith Mm -hmm. in life. No one knows what happened. We don't even know how humans exist. So Mm -hmm. can't nobody tell me that definitely if you ain't shoot dice with Jesus, like, I mean, I <laughs> you know, and then, and then, and, and, and to defend what I'm saying and not to like, you know, piss nobody off. Some people will be pissed off, but I'm just being real is that you, if you don't know, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And so you can only have faith, which is basically what we all have. We, uh, you know, everybody in here, like you got some type of faith in something. If it's not yourself, it's God. It should be God because that is an amazing, the number one, like source for faith in the world people mm-hmm. have faith in jesus never met this nigga mm-hmm. but don't got faith in their brother that they mm-hmm. that they live in the same house with mm-hmm. i don't understand that so you so i mean it's a it's a thing so yeah i believe in god and i believe in jesus just like everybody else i have my doubts sometimes when shit don't go my way in life why would jesus and and if it was a jesus he wouldn't have. you know i had those myself and so i'm I'm human and and we all we we all feel the same way at
0: you know certain times in our lives so that's why that's why i am with religion with hip-hop you, you just talked about how violent and how volatile the situation got with 50 but then you said you know just for the fans as a, as a fan of the music you'd be open to doing something musically with someone who you had this problem with um i remember being a little bit confused when death row first started cracking like with, at the source awards when when suge was up there talking about come to death row and snoop who I knew was a Crip, was up there with the Bloods, like me being a New York dude, I didn't really understand how Bloods and Crips came together in the music space. Money. I see, but then Snoop, as an older dude, you know, he got the the record, the One Blood, One Cuz record, right? And then you got Nip, who was doing records with YG. You got people who have allowed the the music and the hustle of the music business to sort of patch up things and, and do things. You feel like hip hop music Can really bring Bloods and Crips together in a way that's positive or do you feel like it shouldn't even be trying to do that?
2: I feel like hip-hop music is uh, bridges the gap for uh, humans from you know gang affiliation Mm -hmm. to non-gang affiliation I feel like music power music is the real power Mm -hmm. in it it powers the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a natural resource. It's a natural resource, man. You a fucking smart guy. <laughs> um, music, man. Music is a natural resource, mm-hmm. man. It when you when you hear the right song, man. You or every, anybody in here, like, what does it do to your soul? Don't yeah. you feel good? Yeah. You feel good. Yeah. And that's the only thing. That's the only element that this generation's hip hop is missing. Like, mm. I can't take an artist, and my favorite artist right now. Mm-hmm. I'm biased as fuck. Is the baby? Yeah, I
1: love the baby. Yeah. He is killing it. But
0: I like watching his videos.
2: And I just and look, so out. I like the baby before he did this. Uh-huh. But after he did what I'm about to say, he did, mm-hmm. I loved him more. He on the cover as a baby with his daddy, man. Mm-hmm. That is what's missing, and that yeah. is that is damn near the only uh-huh. thing that's missing with the new generation, nigga. Who are you?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Where your daddy? Where you from? What's your yeah, name? Yeah. Your grandma got a name? Yeah. What she do for you? You see I want to he hear can, it,
0: When he, when he uh. When the kids was selling uh, candy. Exactly. When he he took the candy. Yeah. And they say, you know, he keep your candy.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I and, and I got a funny story about the baby. He was in the studio mm-hmm. before he took off. Mm-hmm. Like before he had his I call it a Cardi B moment, nigga, because mm-hmm. when you when you when you're regular and then you hit a Cardi B moment, nigga, like bye. Right. Yeah. Like I'm rich. <laughs> I'm right. on Coca-Cola A commercials next. Bitch. Right. That One hap- year in. that happened to Fifty. Mm-hmm. That happened to Drake. Like you know. Mm-hmm. But I like calling it the Cardi B moment because mm-hmm. it's just I like Cardi B. Right. We love Cardi, Cardi B. here. yeah. Cardi B. Cardi B might be the realest nigga on earth. <laughs> yeah, I love her. She's so <laughs> yeah. over here. Right. Um, she has no filter. But yeah, man, it's like the uh, the baby man. Like we, he was in the studio with me. No chains, no nothing. Just the baby during Born to Rap. Mm-hmm. Like you know, because it took me three years to record this album. So mm-hmm. I mean, like two years ago. Um, and I seen him, and I was like, you know, niggas introduced me to him, and I right. was like, you look like some dumb young nigga, <laughs> you know. And uh, I was just joking with him, right. and uh, we 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 seen each other. I think I don't know if it's at Complex kind or somewhere. And he was like, it's me, some dumb young nigga. <laughs> and I was like, hey man. And it's just funny, man, to like, cause I didn't see myself blow up, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how I went from hood to extremity. And people, you know, people Mm -hmm. watch that, but I didn't watch me. But I get to see so many artists be amazing as fuck Mm -hmm. from being just a broke nigga. I don't give a fuck, like nigga, you was broke. I seen you nigga, you was broke, and now you the baby and I think that's dope as fuck that is my, that that is my, that's my, like I fuck with that nigga music, right period.
1: It, yeah, I, I, the music that has heart is gonna be music that is timeless. And I think it was uh, Blueface or something like that, he was like, why would I, I'm making stuff that's gonna make me money, so I'm, I'm gonna make this quick record so I can get money. That's what they're in it for, they're not in it because I wanna make feel good music, I wanna touch somebody's soul.
2: Yeah, and that by his own recognizance, like that, I mean, that works for him. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't have the capacity to be a hip hop lyricist, why would do we want to push him in that, that in that area? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, not to shit on nobody, but uh a nigga like Ludacris came in the game to entertain. Yeah, right. it was com- Chris yeah. Love a Love, like nigga, he right. he didn't come in this shit to be better than Nas or Jay-Z. I think to can- to Luda's credit, though, I think he developed that later on. No, Luda is by by far like the closest nigga to MC mm-hmm. and entertainer, mm-hmm. right? You know what I'm saying? Him and Buster got that. No, Buster got number one. Yeah, Luda, so Luda got number two. Yeah, for sure. but but Luda came in right. to Radio entertain. Hulse. He didn't come in to be number one on your top 50. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? He
0: came in with What's My
2: Fantasy. That's it. Yeah. But with Luda-
1: oh, go
2: on. No, you go with on. With
1: Ludacris songs, people know majority of his lyrics because it's a feel-good music, it's for fun, Of it's course, and,
2: and so in that, I, and you know, in that same vein, I will give it to Pimp Juice. Like mm-hmm. Nelly, nigga, Nelly, Nelly came in with the nursery rhyme mm-hmm. and like went diamond. Right. In an era where
0: Jay-Z was watching mm-hmm. and Eminem
2: was going, you know, diamond.
0: Nelly once said to me, he said, in order to sell more records to me, you got to have blonde hair and blue eyes. Mm. Crazy. <laughs> He's just, on my album. We, I got Nelly, I got the most conscious. You know, game, niggas want to get conscious mm-hmm. when they get around me.
2: <laughs> you know you see, you, you and me, uh-huh. niggas want to rap they best. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When they around me. Yeah. And I don't get it. Like, even uh, everybody in here, you seen Rhythm and Flow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My nigga D Smoke. Came through and he I fell asleep. waiting. on the show? No, I fell no, nah, I wasn't at the show, but I fell asleep in the studio uh-huh. waiting uh-huh. on D Smoke to like finish his verse uh-huh. because he was not gonna leave until he had something that was gonna satisfy him, that was gonna and you know, just land on the album and be the best mm-hmm. representation of him as an MC. Mm-hmm. And he already knew I wasn't I wasn't gonna do no verse in there. I'ma mm-hmm. wait. Nigga, you young, you know you young. You just you you knew everybody fucking with you right now. I gotta Mm -hmm. wait. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and I'm gonna get on your ass. Right, right. Right, right. right. So yeah, man, it's just that that you know, that hunger, man. Like every when people get around certain people Mm -hmm. that either they, you know, idolized or looked up to or just respected Mm -hmm. um as like Deep Smoke did me. And we had a conversation about it. Like they gone, they want to, you know, they want to bring it, they wanna bring it to you, man. Yeah.
1: That's how you control your energy, and you always want to be around people that are going to elevate you.
2: It's also a certification of your greatness. Because niggas don't want to out-rap a nigga they know they can
0: out-rap. Right. Um, I want to talk, speaking of great rappers, I want to talk about Nip for a second. Yeah. Um, you obviously, you know, we talked about earlier, you brought him early on the LAX tour. Right. And um, and you worked with him relatively early. and We've heard the stories, he's on your new album. And not only is he on your new album, but... It seemed like he was a spiritual force behind the album. You said that you worked on the album for a number of years. And I stopped. Yeah, you stopped. Okay, tell me about that. <clears throat> I worked
2: on. Um, I had so sort the of, the title "Born to Rap" wasn't always the the um, name of the album. Um, I worked on the album in several variations. Uh, I always knew that it was going to be like my last album, so that's how I went into it. Which and I don't agree with. Nobody agrees and with it. And
1: you haven't had a song with Jay-Z yet, so how are you going to just finish?
2: Oh yeah, we're going to talk about that too. And a song don't <laughs> mean an album. I said album, I didn't oh, say done rap. okay. okay <laughs> all, right, all right, Hey, all right. I'll be on Kweli's next album right, right. as a feature. <laughs> okay.
0: Feature. Right. But,
2: uh, the, uh, and you know, man, you know this. Um, creating uh, a really good hip-hop album, I'm not mm-hmm. going to say it's a classic. People make albums classic, not the artists. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it's stressful. Mm-hmm. It's a stressful process, and uh it's a lot of studio time, a lot of moving pieces and um <clears throat> that part of uh hip hop i'm literally i'm tired of putting myself through it mm-hmm. trying to outdo myself mm-hmm. my peers uh the greats so you competed with yourself and you won exactly right and uh <laughs> but <laughs> when you haven't won yet mm-hmm. just when you lacing up your shoes and you know You're getting down and you're mm-hmm. ready for the gunshot to go off and you know here's the next race The deep breath before that I don't want that no more mm-hmm. I don't want to be trying to sequence a, a, a uh, album now, if I was a whack ass MC, nigga, I could record till it, to, as long as y'all have me. It mm. goes some more whack shit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Take, yeah. But when when your idols are you know, and not just because <laughs> you here, when your idols are you know, Talib Kweli, uh, Black Thought, most deaf mm-hmm. in that realm, mm-hmm. common, y'all mm-hmm. my four niggas. Mm-hmm. Like nigga, you can't tell me shit about those niggas. And even if you wasn't one of those niggas and you was here, then mm-hmm. I wouldn't just put you in that shit. Right, and you right. might feel left out, but you are. I appreciate um, it.
1: <laughs> and 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 in that, that realm, and then man, and man. then
2: and then my Ludacris's, mm-hmm. and, and my Nellies, yeah. and then my 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 Snoop Dogs and my mm-hmm. Ice Cubes, who aren't the most
0: lyrical, but are mm-hmm. gangsta as fuck. I mean, you know, I, if I would just say just because the Ice Cube name comes up a lot, that America's most wanted lyrically, but he was
2: pissed off. Yeah, you know. But, but Q, by all means, from beginning to fucking yeah, yeah. to the big three is a right. genius. The
0: Deficu- mm-hmm. death certificate is He's the one for you. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've I
2: heard that, you speak on that. Hey, man, yeah. because I was here. Yeah. I was here. I was young. I, like, Boys in the Hood. I watched Boys in the Hood on VHS. That's and my your favorite movie. T- my mama wouldn't let me because mm-hmm. she was not fucking with the gangbang. My mama was an active gang member and wouldn't let me do gangbang shit, which is crazy. Wow. <laughs> so I had to go down to my homie Tato house and that nigga put it in. And then we ran to the couch and was just like, Watch boys in the hood like
0: that. Recipes to John Singleton.
2: Yeah, man. To to a real legend and a friend that didn't put me on snowfall. So I'm just whatever. You know, but John, a a great man.
0: See, Jasmine was (laughs) even on snowfall. She played like a crackhead or some shit. I did not
1: play a crackhead. She did. I played a teenage mom. And you know, John, hey, not to
0: go too far off,
2: but John was like, I got a new series. You will be perfect for it. You know what I'm saying? And he had
1: a nigga
0: from London instead.
2: (laughs) Oh, damn. No, he he wasn't even. Shout out to my man, he wasn't London even talking about job. he wasn't talking about uh Saint. He wasn't talking about Franklin. Right. He was talking about the uncle. Okay. Like I could have uh, been Jerome. the uncle, Jerome. Yeah, like he, yeah. went, he, he, he talked you to me wear about that Jerome. Jerry I would have worn whatever the fuck would be next to John Singleton. Right. But uh, uh you know, we we talked about it, then it didn't happen. But Jerome, Jerome's a good Jerome, man. No, he's
0: a good Jerome. But, but um, nigga feel like an LA
2: nigga. I'm not from the, LA, but yo, did feel like it. And then Franklin, the nigga playing Franklin Saint, I don't know his real name, but he he got like the, you know, hey uh, you know. He got that shit. Yeah. You, know, you ever heard him speak in real life yeah i heard, I heard him on ellen or some shit yeah, they and he was man. like sounding like adres elba <laughs> right i'm like shit i didn't even know adres elba was from london until i heard right. the nigga say he's right. from london right but um that that goes to like people mastering their crafts but to go all the way back mm-hmm. to what we were saying is that coming into this album uh i felt like here we go again mm-hmm. i've got to outdo the documentary too now this is what i'm up against mm-hmm. um and so the process starts slow, with no album title, with nowhere to go. Um, I didn't have a name for it, so mm-hmm. there's nothing to stick to. I just got to rap. And with that becomes the over-recording process of what is now 600 songs. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until I recorded Welcome Home with Nipsey. He came in the studio. Of course he came, because he was like, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. And he showed up. This nigga took so long to write this verse. And you know me, I'm quick drama am You give me 10 minutes, shit is done. I know exactly what I want to say and I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't write like that. If you've mm-hmm. ever been in a studio with Nas, mm-hmm. you know that Nas sits there with yeah. a glass. He'll go for eight hours and you will fall asleep, wake up, that nigga still be like leaning back with yeah. the glass, with the headphones mm-hmm. on, rocking, making sure that it is exactly what, you know, he needs to put out to represent himself. Nip was, well, Nip was the same way. He wasn't going to give you nothing that wasn't, ready for the mm. world so he sat there fell asleep woke up and i was like my nigga nip come on <laughs> <laughs> he was like chug everybody ain't born to rap cuz oh, oh and i was like so now all you have to do is rap and that made that's it that's so why much easier. the last one man you born to rap man but yeah you, back to to go off topic you know me you, you know what made me wanna wanna rap again after born to rap the nigga LeBron. Mm.
1: Is that like one of your biggest fans? Yo, he, I see him yo hey, LeBron! B- like, B- if
2: LeBron get in the back of that motherfucking Maybach mm. and he do his with the wave yeah, cap yeah, on your yeah. shit, yeah. you feel a certain way. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like if Michael Jordan like was bumping easy and was just and, and you could film it, nigga. That's it's, exactly what it's like, bro. Mm-hmm. It's LeBron, yeah. bro. Yeah. When he get to the to the to the gym, the Lakers training facility, and the nigga in there with his shirt off. Yeah memorizing the song that's not the single Mm -hmm. i felt like i gotta do this again but then comes the reality that i am a top tier hip-hop artist by my own right Mm -hmm. Fuck what anybody else feel and if i ever entertain doing a solo project again here comes the stress Mm. because now I have to compete with the legends again. Mm -hmm. Now I got to compete with my own catalog again. Mm -hmm. If we saying born to rap is as good as we're saying it is, Mm -hmm. I've got to top that or Mm -hmm. I'm not satisfied and I have fucked myself. Mm -hmm. So I got to entertain and play with all of these emotions. Before I ever put the pen to the pad or walk in the booth and that's sometimes the shit will break you down
0: Yeah, and so well, I don't care about it a lot. That's I love it, it.
2: I do. I do care about it. Yeah. and I love it And again, I'll say this um, and I'll move on the thing that hip-hop has robbed me of is Being puff or dr. Dre or mm-hmm. Jermaine Dupree or QC mm-hmm. I have not gotten a chance to showcase my a&r my record label exec my bad boy at its height, my death row shit, my aftermath Dre shit, I've not gotten a chance to mm-hmm. sign one single fucking artist and see him to greatness, and that's fucking with me.
0: Is that part of the reason why you involve Dom Kennedy so heavy in this project? Exactly.
2: Okay. Because
0: exactly. Dom is very important to L.A. Dom is Ice Cube.
2: Yeah. And he needs notoriety, mm-hmm. because he is such... Dom is the most L.A. nigga I know. L.A. <laughs> right. L.A. from Cortez to the hat, yeah. and it ain't no L.A. nigga that's gonna tell you any different on mm-hmm. a world scale. That nigga L.A. through and through. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Nipsey would be a Snoop, mm. and I would be a Dre, and Kendrick is just an exceptional, uh, exceptional extraterrestrial nigga. Who right. there? Kendrick is so good. There is no nigga that he can be— That he can. You know, reincarnate. That nigga yeah. is his own nigga. Yeah, he's the exception but to the rule. He has his own genre. He different. And I've been yeah. to know he was different. And mm-hmm. I told niggas he was different. I put him on all those early mixtapes. I took him on tour. Jay, I mean, people don't know that Kendrick was J-Rock's hype man on the LA I remember. Tour. I was on Warner Brothers when J-Rock was on Warner Brothers. Hype man.
0: Yeah, I, I Kendrick. remember, you know, the
2: early I told Top early Dog, TV shit. I yeah. told Top Dog, let me get the little nigga. Mm-hmm. Top Dog was like, nah, nah, I got plans for him, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh-huh. all right, then we on tour. A lot of people don't know. No, I fought my own homies. I damn near died taking Nipsey in the whole sixties on tour. And when the sixties came on tour. Yeah, when the sixties came on tour, niggas sixties, sixties came on tour. Yeah. Niggas had their own bus, they own shit, put up their own money with Steve lobel who everybody in hip hop should know at this Mm -hmm. point. Um I had to fight my homies because at that time, nigga, wasn't no crip and blood on tour. We couldn't do that. I went on tour with Snoop. They accepted Snoop because you had to accept Snoop because right. Snoop was a staple. That's the OG. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Snoop's homies bringing me on tour wasn't no thing and plus the first thing I ever said out my mouth when you heard me on the album was Crip niggas blood niggas right I put the Crips before me on purpose so I can brainwash dumb niggas to let you know I ain't biased against Mm -hmm. you Cripping or you being in blue Mm -hmm. I could have said blood niggas Crip niggas but I was like you know what I'm gonna be strategic Mm -hmm. I'm gonna put the Crips before me everybody know I'm a blood where I'm from this is what I'm gonna do Crip niggas blood niggas essays Asians I marked it down in order of of appearance number one I did it because I didn't want be biased and I just put him you know before me number two both of my parents scripts mm-hmm. and I thought that you know in the big scheme of things my mom and dad would be some type of proud of me for yeah you know
0: it's, it's, it's bug because like you gotta kind of have to be either living in LA or have family in LA or some sort of proximity to LA to understand the nuance how someone could bang for their block bang for their hood bang for their set but still respect the code of the mm-hmm. game, to understand that just because I'm 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 with this set don't mean like don't mean that like because I'm with this set I understand why you with your set mm-hmm. right you know it's, it's hard for people outside of it to understand they don't, they don't understand it and a lot of people uh, misconstrue
2: um, gangbanging as a whole number one we are uh, in most parts fatherless. African American mm-hmm. kids and and Hispanics, by the mm-hmm. way, I, I will never um, be able to lead them out because Los Angeles, in part, is Um, you know, right. right. There's more Hispanic. And you got Hispanic
0: anybody. blood in you, right? And Native. My American. dad
2: is like uh, Native American, uh, black Creole, and black, black as shit.
0: Right. People use people. You know, I'm 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 involved and in a Mexican. lot of conversations around you know, solidarity between black and brown people and black and Latino people. And I think people use the situation in Southern California and Los Angeles and in the jails and with the gangs because the gangs, the, the gang life sometimes separates people by Asian, black, mm-hmm. white, you yeah. know, Mexican. Not even sometimes, yeah. more than sometimes. That's what it is. And so people use, especially the black and brown people who are living in close, close proximity to each other, they use that, the the, the friction that happens between blacks and Mexicans right. in L.A., um, you know, Tupac said it wouldn't be LA without the Mexicans, but people use that friction to justify supporting <coughs> anti-immigration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, do you do you agree with that? Um, I I I definitely agree with Tupac. right. I mean, shit, they had a you ever
2: seen uh um a day without a Mexican? No. Oh, I, I know about the movie. You though. seen you seen that documentary? Yeah. Hey, my nigga, here, period. If you take away Mexicans, nigga, this city is doomed. done. Mm-hmm. Nigga, ain't no food, ain't nobody. And grass right. getting Restorized cut. Is Mexicans. Nigga, yeah, like yeah. So and you know, I I do, man. And Tupac saying it wouldn't be L. A. without Mexicans was me doing crip niggas blood, niggas. right? Right. He knew. He knew. He knew. You had to include them, bro. Mm-hmm. They everywhere, mm-hmm. and they're they are some of the biggest supporters of everything urban That's as right. well.
0: But some of my biggest fans is. Mexican gangsters from Southern California. Exactly, yeah. man. Exactly. They play a huge They love hip hop. They play a
2: huge part and they love every goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. But we as an American like as a as a country, we don't give them the love back all the time. And I think that that's fucked up. We starting to get our love because we got niggas like Martin Luther King and LeBron James, Michael Jordan and Jay Z. And you know, like we have niggas, African American males that have excelled and have met the criteria to be approved by the powers that be, which is the mass agenda. I don't fuck with them niggas. If niggas send ninjas at night to, (laughs) Uh, it's out of here but so let you know anybody watching like i don't i don't that's why i don't go too far into politics i go right to where buster told me to go he's like Mm -hmm. you get to the borderline and you stop
1: even though you don't talk a lot about politics you still do a lot in the underground to help out the community like for instance taking the two people and showing them every time you go out that's two more people that's gonna be able to talk to someone else in the community right and um when you're talking about the uh the, all of our black support or our black political people that we go after. It's crazy because as a bl- when you as a black person you forget that there are other minorities that are going through the same thing. And literally if you group together, you can overcome the powers that be.
2: Yeah. Um that is very true. Uh, that would it, it, it would definitely take some time. It's going to take everybody, and we all we already know that everybody's not down mm-hmm. for everybody's not down for that division. Right. Division is what people thrive on. You got to understand when someone dies, there's a funeral. There's at the funeral, yeah. there's a casket. Mm-hmm. The casket, there's a funeral home. Like all this shit is is so it's so deep that you'd have to literally have a table the size of America and all of the big wigs mm-hmm. from every from from street level to the top of the chain of the government, I mean, past Donald Trump, cause he a puppet, mm-hmm. to really sit at the same table and really, re, first of all, recognize that everyone's human. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, one by one, hear everybody out. And then third, to sort of put all of that in the pot, like gumbo, cook it, and like let's yeah, try to meat like meat. Yeah. let's try to give everybody a bowl of positive outcome. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. we, I mean, what the odds of that happening is?
1: It's gonna happen. We like to stay positive here, and you yeah. know, speak manifestations of things we yep. want the world to come into. So it it's ain't, gonna but we like. To <laughs> stay come on, it's gonna happen. Um, it's gonna
0: happen. I wanted this lyric on your album from Nip. So I probably die on these streets, but I'll live through my name. Yeah. That's a prophecy. Of course, it is. Um, yes.
2: <clears throat> not to cut you off. Please. Him saying that that night, mm-hmm. me hearing his verse saying that is sound like if I die tonight from Tupac, mm-hmm. you don't know what that is mm-hmm. unless somebody actually perishes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Going back to hear it after Nip passed, I didn't when he when when I first heard the news that he passed, even weeks after, I still haven't hadn't thought about. Mm-hmm. what he said on the album, that was not the vein I was in. I was mm-hmm. missing my friend and I was still in shock that um Tupac happened while I was coexisting in hip hop mm-hmm. with Tupac, which Nip, I felt like Nip was. Somebody cut off way too early that had the, that nigga Nip had your knowledge, mm-hmm. but he didn't give it in music. He gave the streets mm-hmm. and, but he was, that was his first album. Yeah. If Nip had if nine albums like Game, you would have heard Black Thought or Talib or Most Death speaking through Nip, and mm-hmm. and so his albums are in his interviews. If you want to hear, right. if you want to hear a classic Nipsey album, compile twelve interviews, mm-hmm. put them together, and listen to them. Man, he was so fucking be like,
0: yeah,
2: so far ahead of even myself intellectually. Mm-hmm. He liked to read. You know what I'm saying? He used to tell me like, "G, you read that book?" He was like, "Cuz, they got e-books." Right. Yes. Like my nigga, I ain't I don't know about no e-book right. if it ain't got no pictures in that motherfucker, <laughs> like I ain't reading right. it. And I'm not like an avid reader. Like he was always pushing that shit. And um for him to be taking that early, man, it's such a travesty, man, because I know what A nine album, or or Mm -hmm. a ten year later, Nipsey would have done for hip hop as a culture. You started to see him in suits. You started to see him transition to having rock nation brunches, and Mm -hmm. him standing next to Meek Mill, Yo Gotti, Jay Z, and you know, and and all those guys. You started to see him do things that I haven't even done yet, and that means that intellectually, you know, in hip hop, as for and selfishly, Mm -hmm. I mean, unselfishly, he was ready to give Mm -hmm. knowledge and anything else he could. He didn't give a fuck about being rich or none of that. He just was collecting what was owed to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when he dropped Victory Lab and I, and I posted it and he called me and he was like, man, you are right. everything as wow. a brother to me. Right. Everything. He was like, I got all these little, you know, everybody posted. But when I saw yours, it took me back to that first day right. I met you. You right. know what I'm saying? So,
1: Tell us about that day.
2: The day I met Nip? Yeah. Um... Oh. This shit is crazy, cause like it, it 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 it'll take you back into the mind of like a fucking twenty eight year old game or some shit, and L A. and like what I was on at that time. So if you live, if you've been in L A. long enough, you've been here six years, you've been here a yeah. long fucking time. You know that our freeways run uh, 110, 105, hundred five, four hundred five, one hundred one. It's a square. Mm-hmm. Um. I would. I'm from Compton, so anytime I'm coming from Compton, I get on the 105. Just not because I don't know. Well, number one, I didn't know a quicker way to get to Mm -hmm. Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Really, I could have just went to the 110 and the 10 to the 101. But when you're young and you only know, you know, you know, you got no sense of direction, Mm -hmm. like a motherfucker. um, I took the 105 and I got off on Crenshaw. Reason I got off on Crenshaw because there are bitches on Crenshaw. (laughs) It's over by me. Up and down. (laughs) Not only. Are there bitches on Crenshaw? This is the street in Boys in the Hood where mm-hmm. like niggas had the confrontation. Mm-hmm. This is the street where on Sunday nights throughout my whole childhood my dad, my uncles, my brothers would come, park their impala, mm-hmm. get out and people would congregate. It's Crenshaw. Mm-hmm. I had a white Range Rover, I'm twenty-eight. At this time, like I'm doctor's advocate is out, mm-hmm. I'm two albums in. I'm not going nowhere. Mm-hmm. I wanna get off the freeway, see some bitches, smoke some weed maybe find a problem, I got a Glock on my lap, maybe. <laughs> if niggas is tripping, mm-hmm. I want I want my whole LA hip hop rapper nigga experience. Mm-hmm. So I would get off on Crenshaw, take Crenshaw all the way down to Wilshire, make a fucking left on Wilshire, make a right on La Cienega, make a right on Melrose just to go get my car wash at the car wash, mm-hmm. back where I sold my CDs, ah. to get at even more bitches, and show <laughs> off this Range Rover. Young, dumb nigga shit, mm-hmm. but that's what I wanted to do. He was the baby. Exactly. <laughs> got show up the range. Exactly. Right. exactly. Yeah. The gamey, the game-y. <laughs> the game-y. <laughs> So this this day, mm-hmm. it was my point to not get stopped at any red lights in Crip hoods mm-hmm. while I was rolling, mm-hmm. at all. For some reason, I feel like the lights get longer mm-hmm. when you get stopped at them motherfuckers. They never turn green, mm-hmm. and they just want you to just like death. Yeah. I feel like it's a nigga controlling the lights that so just be like <laughs> Die. There you right. go. <laughs> Kill this nigga. <laughs> So it, it was like a Honda Civic and a fucking gray, like, a uh, 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 Harley truck in right. front of me. And these niggas did not go through this yellow, bro. They stopped. Mm-hmm. And when they stopped, I said, this is crazy. Crenshaw Wait, but slossing. you got to tell them that people go through the
1: yellows in LA so that lace. Oh, know.
2: people go through the yellows till it's red. Like, mm-hmm. motherfuckers just keep on going. So I'm like, why does this nigga stop? Mm-hmm. I couldn't go around because there was a car coming up from the back. So I'm stuck at this light. Who on the corner? 1560s Crips. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't fuck with these scenarios this is what i do not want to happen mm-hmm. and this you you want to ride through la and you want to just coast through smooth with no motherfucking problems mm-hmm. 15 young ass crips on the corner and these niggas are crossing the street for what reason god i don't even fucking know but they're coming straight at my car oh, niggas god. went from crossing the crosswalk this is my car niggas went from crossing the crosswalk that goes this way mm-hmm. nigga i'm right here behind two other cars them niggas turned and then when they turned, they started getting close, and right when Nip got right where you are, the nigga whipped out a CD. I was
1: like, oh my God. <laughs> Thank God.
2: <laughs> a nigga with a demo. Right. <laughs> Nip pulled it out. I rolled my window down, uh-huh. and Nip is tall. Nip was like 6'3". Mm-hmm. So Nip looked in the car, and he saw I had a Glock on my lap, the nigga's like, I, I can see in his eyes that he said to himself, game a real nigga, like mm-hmm. he out here. He was like, hey, cub, my name Nip, and um. The, we the Slauson boys, almost like if I met Run-DMC. The right. niggas, you could really see in these three, it was Paul, Jay Stone, mm-hmm. and Nipsey. And you could see in them niggas eyes that they really thought they was the shit for some, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck reason, wow. these niggas had confidence on 100. I don't care mm-hmm. if they was just, if it just mattered in their hood, you could see the confidence in Nip. I took the CD and then uh, he, he was like, nigga, you a real one, cuz. I put the CD in my car and then I, I caught him. I was mm-hmm. like, yo, Nip. Mm-hmm. You got a number on here? He was like, "It's on the back, huh?" Confidence though, mm-hmm. not like you know, right? Not being like, No, the nigga just turned around. He didn't even come back to the car. The nigga <laughs> turned around. He's like, "It's on the back, huh?" I was like, "It is on the back, huh?" <laughs> so I took the CD, I put it in, and I'm like, "Man, this nigga sound like like a breath, like a fucking lyrical, like Snoop. Not yeah. sound like Snoop, but and then I just seen the nigga. and He looked like Snoop. Yeah. Right, right. So that's the first thing I saw. I was like, "Man, this nigga look like Snoop." And I told Snoop, I said, Snoop, I met a nigga that looked like you. <laughs> like, I called Snoop. Right. And Snoop was like, was that nigga named Nipsey, Nipsey Hussle? <laughs> he was like, cuz, everywhere. <laughs> so I'm like, I took the CD. Mm-hmm. And um, later on that night, I called the number. I'm like, you know, come to the studio. Um, Wack brought him to the studio mm-hmm. with Big U and Steve Lobel. Mm-hmm. That's how I met Wack. Or no, this is not how I met Wack. The second time I met Wack. I'll tell you that story in a minute. Um, but he came to the studio and we did "They Roll," mm-hmm. and we did like two other songs, and "They Roll" ended up being on, you know, uh, shit, and uh, so yeah, that's that's so how wait. I met Nip.
1: But Okay, so you're in the car and you got all of these crips coming up to you. So what's going on in your mind right now? I was now? scared of
2: shit and ready to bust, for sure.
1: Like yeah. you were just about to go off For
2: sure. I now, die. I had my gun on my lap and my, my finger was on the trigger. And I said, if I see any nigga reach, I'm shooting everybody at this motherfucking light. I don't give a fuck because I'm with all the L.A. bullshit, especially Ballhead with, with 7X t-shirts ball head on. Ballhead game was <laughs> stupid.
0: Let's,
1: That's a different nigga. It's a good thing that he wasn't the cops because if he was the cops, they would have been done if he pulled right. the CD.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, now there's a lot of um, talk right now, like Nipsey's, you know, Nipsey's death is still upon us, it's still here. <clears throat> it is. It's still raw. Yep. And a lot of people love him from his his real family to fans. There's been a lot of upset voices and people upset at whack and things that he's been saying. Um, does any of that affect you? Of course,
2: it affects mm-hmm. me. It fucking drags me right into the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, in 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 Wack's short, you know, defense, mm-hmm. I will say that when when the first time me and Nip was ever in the studio, Wack brought him. Mm-hmm. So it it's not like he is just like Con Nipsey. Mm-hmm. Wack has a opinion like every other man on earth. Some of us keep ours to ourselves, Mm -hmm. some of us voice ours, and uh, he's one of them niggas that voices his. Is his opinion of anything in life shared with me? No, I'm my own man, he's his own man. If there are consequences for anything I've ever said, then I will be the man to face those. Mm -hmm. If there are consequences for anything that he says, he will have to face those. Mm -hmm. I don't agree on everything that Wax says Mm -hmm. in his life. Um, But that's his opinion. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Should he care if I give a fuck about what he say or not? I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I don't like being put in the middle of that shit. I have my own relationship with Nipsey. Uh, whack had his interactions or relationship with Nipsey. He voiced
0: in his opinion. Do
2: I agree? I don't have to fucking agree.
0: Yeah, I think that um, you know, I I try to be cautious because what a lot of people don't understand is that a lot of people are fans of this shit, the shit, to like the street gang shit. Bleeds into the entertainment shit. It does. And a lot of people start speaking on it from the entertainment's perspective and not taking the street gang shit into exactly. consideration. And I think that's where the where whack gets a lot of push uh, pushback from because without me waiting too much into it, I'm not from this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. it's like I don't want to speak too much on street codes and shit that whack be talking about. But me as a fan of the music. Um, what it seems like he's trying to do and that people are not understanding, um, is he's trying to say, one, <coughs> why was y'all not talking about Nip like this when he was alive? Yeah, but and, and I, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut you off and I'm going to let you get right back to mm-hmm. it whack needs to learn how to say it the way that you're saying right. it. And I'll say that, that's like, that's my fucking brother. I'll right, say right, it like right. that. He don't listen, he older than me, and right. he makes his own decisions. But yeah, he needs to word shit different. I say the same thing, like the, I got asked earlier, um, what do you feel about what T.I. did, what he said about his daughter? You got a daughter. I said, I agree. I don't agree with in the way that it was, you know, transcribed, or the way it came across, the way, the, the choice of words that he used, but I feel like that about my daughter. I'm just not going past the way room mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying and so it's just Whack probably needs to just think a little bit more and get his point across so that the masses can understand because he is on a world scale but then yeah. again who is to live in and game to say that's right to, to tell that nigga he need to change the way he says that's,
0: that's why I'm speaking like I'm saying I'm speaking on on the entertainment side on the fan side right because it's like that's the that's the conversation right um but I think that's what he's that's that's what I hear. Me being someone who understands both, mm-hmm. right? That's what I hear him saying.
2: Wack called me a lot of times and call me out on shit, and uh, I t- I hang up in a nigga face or tell a nigga 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 what nigga fuck you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, like nigga, you can't tell nigga me what to say. I already right, spoke, right, 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 and Whack right. will be like, but bro, but bro, this, but that, but that. I'll be like, nigga, I don't give a fuck, nigga. I right. said what I said. I ain't changing what I say, right. and I can only imagine that that is his. That's his stand. Right. But at the end of the day, if you got a problem, if you seen uh, Whack and Tlaib, don't, don't, whatever Whack says, don't DM you. Right. Nigga, he got a whole Instagram mm. and he loves to entertain y'all bullshit. <laughs> <Right>. Go there. <laughs> right. Get the fuck off my page asking me why I'm not doing nothing to Whack. For what, if somebody want to do something to Whack or, he, or there's consequences to pay for the shit that he's saying, it's his. And Wack is a nigga, I know Wack, he's a nigga that welcomes that bullshit. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want that, but we are two different people. Right. And so, Wack be on some bullshit. He'll tell you the same thing about me. Game be on some bullshit. <laughs> and, but Game has to deal with whatever's coming to Game, and mm-hmm. Wack has to deal with whatever is coming to Wack, and that's, that's like the last thing I'm gonna say about it. Right. I'm not Wack. Mm-hmm. I didn't say what Wack said. Wack said what Wack said. Mm-hmm. And if y'all giving him the platform and are entertaining it by getting angry and going on his page and talking shit, well then you're part of it too. So keep it over there. Right. Let y'all talk shit together. He'll be there all day talking shit to you too. Me <laughs> like and him and are the same I that way. I, I entertain yeah. that shit. Exactly, too. Yeah. I do sometimes yeah. too. But like he he speaks what he feel like is
0: his truth, and I mean he's a man, so like that's well, his prerogative. I'm bro. glad that you got to um. Have Nip on your on this album. Me too. Um, I'm glad that you got to say what you need to say in the way that you want to say it. Yeah, and
2: shout out to uh, you know Black Sam for making oh, that process process easy uh, for me. Um, he what what Sam um, and it's totally different than talking about the other shit. Um, what Sam has done in you know the aftermath of losing his best friend and his brother mm-hmm. is fulfill Nips what he feels were are Nips wishes. Right. To honor what were our Mm -hmm. Nip's friendships. Mm -hmm. So whatever me and Nip were, which were, you know, like that, I'm not saying like, oh, we were closer than me and him, or him and YG, or I am got a better relationship than, you know, me and uh, me and him had a better relationship than him and Black, no, mm-hmm. man, Nip was my friend. I'm not in a fucking friend war. Right. But Sam was there from the beginning. Sam knows what game did for Nip, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and what Nip did for game, as mm-hmm. far as like, you know, even giving me knowledge, being the, right. the older,
0: you know, I've i him. i I've heard you talk positively about how you affected your relationship with Meek Mill.
2: Right, man. Mm-hmm. It, that nigga Nip wasn't, I didn't even understand that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand how my West Coast homie was trying to give me the squash of beef with a nigga from Philly mm-hmm. until I did it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even do it when Nip thought I should have did it. I told mm-hmm. Nip, I told, and I, you know, nigga, God rest my homie's soul. I told Nip, I'm not hearing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not hearing it. Fuck, fuck Meek Mill and everybody with him. Mm-hmm. And and then Nip was like, all right, cuz I gotta just you know I'm with you, mm-hmm. but he didn't like it, mm-hmm. and he didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And then when when I seen Meek went to jail, I felt away. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I wanted to like kill Meek mm-hmm. in the streets, but it was sad by his situation when they were just fucking with his probation yeah. to yeah, put him in jail. That's weird. Right. And 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 even me since then, since Meek's got out. I mean, since Meek got out, I've elevated. My knowledge, my wisdom, my support for my fellow fucking musician, That's right. artist, and my brother. Right. And I talked to Meek through the struggle. Man, right. he, and and and, I, and when, when Meek went to jail, I was what, 30, 36, 37 or some shit like that when he was going through that? And still not wise enough to ignore or put him or his situation or us as a whole as young African-American entrepreneurs mm-hmm. before myself. I right. was selfish in that right. beef. And I went all the way in like I would have done when I was 20, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until Meek got out of jail, I talked to Meek on the day he got out of jail and told him like what the conversation about me and Nip and mm-hmm. what we had, I talked to Meek for an hour, bro. And mm-hmm. all we did was congratulate each other, wow. welcome home, see you soon. Me and Meek, when he came to LA, we recorded and and Meek was like, you know, I can't come, I wanna I want to live in LA. Mm-hmm. And I can't come live in LA and be beefing with one of the biggest niggas in LA. That mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to mm-hmm. me. And I'm on a whole nother page. Right. And, that him saying that to me made me feel like I should be on a whole nother page. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying. Right. So that's where we are now, friends. Right.
1: With um, you had Nipsey on your song "Welcome Home." Was that song already named before he passed, or did you change the name after? It I- was
2: named "Welcome Home." Wow. Yeah, and because the sample says "Welcome Home," right. not because that was going to be the final title, but after his demise, um, untimely demise, um,
0: uh, I, it made sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, there's a part of you, like the game, Jason, all these different parts of you, you're very honest, like an open book, but you were always trying to get in the door. Like, you were always trying to get in the game. Right. We all know, we all saw you on Change Your Heart back in the day. Yeah. You then had two reality shows. Yep. But you had a situation recently with the She Got Game situation where you were sued for sexual assault. And the lady won, the young sister won $7 million. Oh, yep. Um, Now, it's very difficult to talk about this stuff in this quote unquote Me Too era. Um, but from when, when I, you know, before I knew I was gonna interview you, when, when I found out I was gonna interview you, I looked up to just see so I know what I'm talking about. And um, she went to court, you didn't, you didn't make it to court. Right. And so because you didn't make it to court, she was awarded this money. Yeah. First off, is there anything, before we go deeper into that, is there anything you want to say about that?
2: Um, Just to go, you know, in short, man, I had the show. um, She got game, and she was the one on the show that they allowed on the show without passing her psychiatric test. Mm -hmm. She didn't pass it. I wasn't privy to that information until the lawsuit came up, and... You, you you can't put someone on TV without passing, you know, the, the psychological test. You can't. But they did it anyway. I'm a hood nigga. Mm-hmm. I don't sue people. I could have took it to VH1 and um, and 51 Minds just based on that. Mm-hmm. She wasn't even supposed to be on the show. Mm-hmm. She a, basically a nutcase. On the show, she was a nutcase. Nobody liked her. She was isolated. There were times where she had to stay in a house of security, and the other girls were just, like, doing them. My dumb ass was with well, my caring heart was always like, nah, like let her back into the community with the other girls. Like, mm-hmm. this is a show. Like, it's my show. Don't do that. It was totally nice to her. Um, to be perfectly honest, she kind of looked like a, a man to me. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm not even like being funny or nothing, I'll say that with a straight face, cause she did, and that's the reason I wasn't attracted to her. Mm-hmm. And so there is no way possible in any shape, way or form, alcohol, no alcohol on any, on a fucking, the last day on earth, that I would have been attracted to that woman or even touched her nothing. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't touch her shoulder. Um, So for her to get upset that she was kicked off the show by the powers that be, wasn't me. Mm-hmm. They have the way that it's scripted to go, even though it's reality mm-hmm. TV. It's still structured. They wanted her off the show. I kept her for longer than she should have been on just because I was like, I didn't like how they were bullying her, the other mm-hmm. girls, the 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 production company, and then they had to let her go. Um, So they let her go. She took that as disrespect and concocted this fucking story that I fucking touched her pussy or her vagina for those who don't like that word. And that shit is so beyond Anything regular to me because I don't understand it. I, that's mm-hmm. like me leaving here and going to get a lawyer and saying Yo to leave attack me in the fucking parking lot mm-hmm. And then I want part of your I want everything the mm-hmm. podcast your album mm-hmm. your that That's how absurd that shit would be mm-hmm. because anybody that knows me knows that I ain't got to do that, bro right, like I'm I'm batting down on pussy on a daily now, what happened with the court situation? How come you didn't get to court? I had a fucking, I had a, a dental surgery, you know what I'm saying, to get my um, my wisdom teeth uh, removed. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that was on that same day, mm-hmm. the, the, the doctor, mm-hmm. uh, the dentist, um, talked to the judge in court on the loudspeaker and the judge still said fuck it and gave her the judgment. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they haven't received a dime up to this point because I'm broke. Yeah, and don't know if they ever will, cause I'ma stay broke. But it's just like, I can't, like I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't give you one. Number one, I can't give you nothing I don't have. And number two, if I had it, I, w- I still probably would try everything in my power to not, because I think that's unfair to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's unjust. And, and the story is 1000% fabricated and if I wasn't as real of a nigga as I am, I would be deeply saddened and hurt mm-hmm. by a judge just doing that. But it happens. It, I'm mm-hmm. not the
0: first nigga that happen to it, it happens. Yeah, you know it what does, I'm saying? It does happen. Um, the, from what I read, it seemed like the judge was upset, not just over the not making court, right. but the, like the way that you were dealing with the young lady in public. Uh, you were accused of trolling her. Mm-hmm. When I saw you on with academics in them, um, you were very upset. And I can imagine if anyone who feels like they falsely accused of something is going to be upset. Right. Is going to protect. You worked very hard to build your name. You you feed your family with your name. So you gonna feed. You gonna protect your name like like a pit bull. Right. And um, but I, I, I me me being a friend of yours, you seem very angry about it. And you know as a rapper we deal with fantasy sometimes as a rapper we deal with you know we call women bitches and hoes we talk about materialism in ways that maybe we're not so materialistic in our in our normal life uh-huh. you refer to us this young lady as a bitch because i feel like game the rapper is not different from jason the, the man right and so you're not you and me had a conversation probably where you like look it is what it is I'm gonna say what I what I what I need to say and let the chips fall where they may but do you think that maybe the way that you've talked about her publicly added to how the judge felt? Of course,
2: okay, of course, and I can't say that if I'm a you know racist ass judge um, that I wouldn't feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And I did egg it on, I did take it lightly, and I did say what I said because. I felt that it's it was total bullshit, and mm-hmm. I still feel that way today. Um, I I'm, I'm on here talking about it, and I still troll. And because deep down in her heart, I'm talking about in a room by herself, staring in the mirror at herself, she know that I didn't do anything inappropriate to her, and that is what's fucked up is mm-hmm. that she could be such a sick person to try to like ruin somebody like ruin everything somebody's worked for which you can't do to me cuz I'm not having it but to even attempt to based on a false reality it's mm-hmm. just like that shit is just a cool like I'm I I still can't find make sense of it mm-hmm.
1: so if you could go back and do anything over would you still do the trolling or would you like maybe just not say anything and just deal with it in
2: court? I would still do everything I I would do the exact same thing that I did. I don't live with regret and I'm okay. Like I come from between I grew up between a rock and a hard spot and to even have 7 million dollars uh you know
0: allegedly for somebody to take is an accomplishment for me. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Um so now as you've gotten older you've talked you've spoken about Changing your perspective on how you see beef right change your perspective on how you see making records Do you feel like as you get older that you've needed to change your perspective on how you see women? And do you feel like as a man, especially someone who's facing such accusations. Yeah, that you have to speak Power and give power to women's issues and and support women and 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 support issues that affect women
2: um, I do
0: mm-hmm.
2: I do give a hundred percent of uh, myself my, my love, my gratitude, my appreciation and my care to women and, and women empowerment, mm-hmm. but we still ain't empowering bitches. So I mean and I'm I'm honest. Like every woman ain't a woman that needs praise. Some women are fucking snakes mm-hmm. and 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 and, and it, it, it goes hand in hand. Some men, not all men are, you know, Tlaib and, and, and Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Like some niggas ain't shit. Mm-hmm. And so that's the nigga that mm-hmm. I need to watch out for and that's the spade that I'm gonna call a spade and every mm-hmm. woman does I'm not I'm not walking through my life praising every woman because every woman doesn't deserve praise mm-hmm. Some are really out here acting crazy and mm-hmm. doing crazy shit and this need to be called for what it is mm-hmm. now uh, Oprah Winfrey um, Chloe and Haley um, Beyonce the shit my auntie like these are women that uh michelle obama nigga like these are women that i look up to Mm -hmm. that i praise Mm -hmm. but nigga a a bitch that's lying lying on me like she don't get the same respect as women who've earned Mm or earned that spot in that praise like nah well i'm I'm not doing that i'm not gonna be Mm -hmm. fake i'm not entertaining it and i'm not even gonna pretend that they don't exist because they do. And I'd be a fool to sit here um on these cameras or talking to, you know, my homie and and, and, and you know, sorta of like not like really not giving niggas the game. Mm-hmm. And if I gotta be the sacrificial lamb so that the next nigga learns the lesson, then we gon we gonna speak truthfully and honestly and say that we everybody don't need to be praised and empowered, And that's just what it is. Go ahead.
1: I think that that's 100% true, and I think that it's important that, you know, you focus on women that should be empowered, that you're not just out here like, oh, fuck all bitches because all they do is I'm lie. I'm not giving
2: no bitch the same respect that I give Harriet Tubman. Yeah, exactly. You ain't fucking, you ain't saved nobody. You ain't run nobody through no underground railroad. You ain't got no lashes on your back. you out here acting a fool, lying, being a fucking slut, so that's what you are. And that 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 is for whoever whatever motherfucking flip-flop it the shoot the the, the flip-flop fit
0: this there's, there's a point you made this interesting Um, about being a sacrificial lamb and you know you you're you're being tongue-in-cheek about the whether whether or not you're gonna pay this money and this and that what's interesting to me about this conversation is that whether you're innocent or not men we live in a patriarchal society and men have been fucking up so bad mm-hmm. that I feel like, you know, like, you know, with all due respect to, you know, the mother of my children. Right. We went to court and I'm sitting in court and, um, you know, we had a little spat and a little struggle. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sitting in court with, with dudes that I've seen, seen people I know from my neighborhood in court. Mm-hmm. And they talk to me, oh, this is fucked up. Right. They got us like that. I'm like, yeah, this is fucked up. And then I tell my story and then this nigga tell his story, his story ain't like mine. Yeah, I'm listening to him like, oh no, you supposed to be here. Right, exactly. You fucked
1: up. Oh, you <laughs> fucked up.
0: He's like, right. this nigga's telling me, oh, that's why I don't get a job. Because no. when you get a job, these mm-hmm. bitches become be for your money. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not what I'm on, nigga. Like, <laughs> like, you fucking it up for me, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But I say that to say that with social upheaval and with social change, that for women to get power and their voices to be heard there's gonna be people that slip through the cracks. There's gonna be people that are accused of things that they didn't do. Yeah. But I feel like our male privilege is with these allegations. You still are gonna be game.
2: That's
0: It's not man. gonna stop what you're doing. No man. And I think all. that's important for us to acknowledge is that, like, we talk about these problems and these situations that uh, these accusations, they don't really affect men unless they true. Yeah. Oh yeah. If they true it might fuck up your bread. You know what no, I'm saying? Well,
1: I don't feel like if it's, it can affect you if it's not true too because once it's put out there that you're this person, it's going to take a lot for people to not believe it. But right. I also do think that it's important to call people out when they're doing fucked up shit so that they don't think that our situation. And that's well.
2: why I do what I do, because I don't want you thinking. I don't want anyone thinking that this is something that I participated in or something that I actually did. So I can't stay quiet while you slander my name mm-hmm. and and everything that I stand for. One thing that I'm not like I have a daughter and, and I am. Accomplished and I you know, I see myself. I look in the mirror I see myself Uh, if a woman didn't tell me or my mama didn't tell me I still know that I am you know a handsome guy I don't have problem with women neither do the ugliest niggas in Mm hip-hop. I mean, you know hip-hop come along with women Um, I don't gotta I don't have to touch anybody inappropriately ever in my life. I would like that like I could live for one million fucking years mm-hmm. and still not come across a woman that I need to force myself upon. That's not who I am and it's not what I would ever do. And uh, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say what I need to say mm-hmm. um, no matter. And it's not about uh, who receives it. It's about you seeing me visualize mm-hmm. that, I wasn't, that I didn't take part in that bullshit.
0: Right. Um, now you have a lot of tattoos. Um, I've heard you speak about getting Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali tattoos. Have you done that? yet? yeah, I got them both. okay, you got those yeah since, since that interview mm-hmm. you mentioned that. yep. Um, you know Malcolm and Martin, these are huge figures in, in black empowerment. You also were very vocal in support of Black Lives Matter. Um, we had Patrice calores one of the founders of Black Lives Matter on mm-hmm. the show. Why did you feel like at that time when Black Lives Matter was really a part of the the cultural landscape for for a game to support Black Lives Matter?
2: Um, just a reminder uh, you know one that shit our lives do matter mm-hmm. not saying anybody else's don't matter but I mean I, I'm obviously not Hispanic or white or any other race I'm fucking black and mm-hmm. if we're on a tight I mean, if we're on uh, a wave of Black Lives Matter well I have to step in that I right. am black I have a voice I have a platform right. and I need to voice that so that in culmination with everything else is going on we start to have a Lego effect mm-hmm. and we're building something you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying but even me and Patricia she'll tell you like we ain't see I and I eye-to-eye eye on some things, my approach was different than hers. Mine's was a little bit more uh, okay. a little uh, less aggressive mm-hmm. and hers was more aggressive but we talked right. and... that's interesting. We, yeah, it, which is crazy because yeah, yeah. I'm usually the aggressor in all, everything right. that I fight for but um, they went on a lot stronger, not that anything was wrong with that, but I, I took a, you know, a less aggressive approach to, uh, you know, how I wanted to uh, get it done and so my movement was a little bit, you know, in, in it was in um the same vein is theirs but I just did it on my own the way
0: that I did it. Right. Now you made this is interesting to me cuz I use this as an example. Me being a conscious rapper, right? When something happens a tragedy in our community happens. People be like talib quali going to say something and you might hear get by on the radio. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? You did a record dedicated to Trayvon Martin. Yeah. And this was it was a beautiful record and you had a lot of great people involved in it. But this is my opinion. I feel like when you did that record everybody was like man that was dope that game did that And then they went on to I guess Drake was beefing with Meek Mill at that time They went on to talk about whatever was happening exactly that wasn't as to me as important as you stepping up to do that Record yeah. in this era, you know, I'm born in 1975 I remember when we had a world came out. When we are the world came out. There was no internet. There was no cable TV There was only three stations. It wasn't even no Fox. It was just ABC NBC CBS the Super Bowl happened and then after the Super Bowl, everybody in the country—imagine everybody watching the Super Bowl—and then everybody watched Lana Ritchie and Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson do "We Are the World," mm. right? Now, Game in 2012—when did Trayvon pass away? 2012 or 2013? 12, 2013, uh, I 2013. I think it was 12. 12. Right? I, I right? believe. Yeah. yeah. Don't but quote me when, on that. But when when Game, uh, a top tier hip hop artist, does a record for Trayvon, it didn't get the respect of that it deserved. Of you know, I some of my greatest musical memories are doing records with DJ Quick. Me being a Brooklyn conscious backpack rapper, you wouldn't think that I got with Quick, but early in my career, when The Blast was out, Snoop Dogg was on K Day, Quick was on K Day, they was they had radio shows, they was playing mm-hmm. the Blast. The Blast still is like a LA classic because of the love that Quick and Snoop Dogg gave to me. Right. At that Real time, record. um, Balance and Options was out. And you know, I'm not I didn't know Quick's catalogue, I knew tonight. I knew just like Compton, but I didn't I didn't know his whole catalog. Yeah. But balance of options came out and I was like, yo, this record speaks directly to me. And so I got to spend time in the studio with Quick. A lot of time. And I remember saying to him, man, that balance of options, bro. That record, he was like, man, I ain't never doing a record like that. Ever again, right. because I was trying to heal the divide with the gangsters. I was trying to reach out to MC8. I was trying to be positive and peaceful, and niggas didn't like it. Nobody Niggas it. didn't appreciate it. So I'm just gonna give niggas what they want. But
1: why right? do we give up so so fast?
0: Well, that's the that's the question. I'm yeah. I, That's the, I, because what Quick said. I thought about that situation with Quick when I saw what happened with your Trayvon Martin record. Like, what is it? Do you think we have to do as artists to help people? Excuse me to understand <clears throat> that when we speak positively that they have to support it or else it's gonna go away um
2: I think that speaking positively and change and all the things that are necessary to elevate that of uh, you know adolescent youth in the hood and all that shit is boring mm. and I think that I don't know I don't I'm like I don't know what would turn that around or what would make it what what would what would make people march with you, mm-hmm. you know, like people march with dr. King mm-hmm. on foot? Mm-hmm. Cross states. Mm-hmm. I don't know what would do that in this generation. I think that it's boring and that's just me personally mm-hmm. now me I'm gonna get in it and like I'm the type of I'm the type of nigga that like I Don't really I don't really think church is fun mm-hmm. But I'm gonna go hear the word and I'ma sit through it, mm-hmm. and there. You I did a might... whole record about going to church and right. the
0: thoughts in the church,
2: and I did that. Yeah. And I, I, I like I'm, when I'm in the church, I yawn, oh, yeah. and
0: not everything that you said that, in your record, the, the choir starts singing, so you, you don't start falling asleep.
2: Exactly. Right. That's when we wake up when the music hits your soul, mm-hmm. but for the most part, like people, man, they just every like the easy shit these days. Everybody wants it easy, man. Yeah. It's so much easier to just go tune in to Drake and Be Drake and Meek Beef because they're doing all the work for you. All wow. you have to do is listen. Right. But to actually be a part of Black Lives to to you know to do your part, you would have to exist in that realm to think to actually get up and put on black and go march and niggas don't want to do that man they want the easy way out and yeah it's convenience and everything else that's not making a lot of noise or not hurting somebody is boring
1: I think that you guys as because I'm not I mean I'm an artist but I'm not making music and um I get what you're saying but I think that it just needs to keep happening because when I said like why do we give up so easily it's like you make a, a um, an, uh, a song for everyone to come together. And it's like, oh, it doesn't work out, so I'm not gonna give you niggas anymore. It's like, why not keep doing it if that's what you wanna do until it catches on? That's what you do with your music. Some people start off music and it didn't catch on right away, but then they say, oh, fuck you niggas, they kept making the music, so why not keep making the positive togetherness music?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, you are, you're 100% right. I look at it like, um, you seen Titanic, right? Yes. yes. You seen Boys in the Hood? Yes. Yeah. You feel like they both classic movies? Yes. yes. If you are 19 and you had to pick one, which one are you going to see? Boys in the
0: Ty- Hood. There you go. I love yeah. that's Titanic. That's it. That's that they is was kind of it. Them Irish motherfuckers doing the jig in the bottom of the boat. They was kind <laughs> of gangster though. I love
1: Titanic. Hey, but, I would watch Titanic. But
2: there's your answer to right. what this generation is. If you give them a choice, they're going to pick the,
0: the fucked up shit. I mean, what well, sex and violence sells. Sensationalism But that's what sells. we're putting
1: out. If we yeah. control like the media is well, putting it. You control I mean, it, if you keep watching it, then they're going to keep putting it. Mean, Titanic
0: sold more than Boys
2: in the Hood. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. but it's still a club. But but for us, like
0: the demo like our demographic, there was some violence in there. There was some they was busting was guns on the ship. In yeah, they couldn't have sold that movie if it was just about the ship sinking. That's a they fact. had to have the backstory with the the, the beef
1: and the romance and I mean, the
2: romance.
0: society. Yeah. No motherfucking notebook ain't
2: nobody shooting in the notebook. You ain't gonna do you ain't gonna be able to get out Get out the notebook and the rest right. society, yeah. but it's the same shit. You seen the notebook. that mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gangsta as fuck I when I first saw it shit made me cry, made me cry. <laughs> Like made me want a passion of Christ like yeah. these are movies that are amazing that Triggered different emotions in me that are just as equally classic as my hood classics but if I had a choice at 19 or 20 or even 25 like I'm not going to go watch fucking The Notebook I'm going to go see the bullshit but
1: Now you have movies like Queen and Slim that just came out where it was a love story and you had The crime
2: That's Love Jones under. with straps I mean that's what it, that, <laughs> that's a that, good and critique. I ain't even seen it but that, that's be what it looked like that's what it looked like he should be a movie The way crit. I can tell the way that like they on the cover mm-hmm. and with and those two act with those two uh, actors and actresses I mean actress um that the that the movie's probably going to be dope and I and I seen, yeah, uh, shot to I seen cute. who who's directed and yeah. who's behind it, and yeah. then, you know even with Beyonce's whole oh, shit with it, um, I just it looks like a classic movie, and that's something that I gotta go check
0: out.
1: Now, I didn't see Love Jones, so I cannot compare. It.
0: Yeah, you are. Love a, Jones is my pet peeve. You have black. I not <laughs> have black. I'm Every black, black, black woman I know, that's their favorite movie. Love I Jones. tried. I tried,
1: but it's uh, that's my necessary.
0: pet peeve because I come from the spoken word community, yeah. and I feel like they bastardized the spoken word. Yeah, yeah. I look yeah. at Love Jones. I'm like, yo, this nigga, yo, and I hate Bill Bellamy because of this movie <laughs> to this <Yeah>. day. <laughs> 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 day. You know what I'm saying, and I feel <laughs> like this nigga Lawrence Tate did everything right. And she shit on him. You're right. And she, I'm like, yo, man, she's just a fucked up person.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's always the girl. You
0: know, yeah. not always. Is. But all right. So <laughs> game. As a father, you're a father now. I am. Um, you also throughout your career have had an obsession with mortality, just like Pac. Just mm-hmm. like big, but as you spoke about, imagine pocket at thirty, imagine big at thirty. You said you thought you was gonna die when you first came in the game. Yeah. Just from how you how you moving. You for a lot of people, especially for LA, are Pock and Big, not shot, but grown up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about death and a lot of talk about mortality. Um, is that different for you as a father now? And you
2: Um I uh you know what? my my children are all the age where they listen to uh the album. Mm-hmm. Um I don't make my albums for my children or for the sake of their safe ears. Mm-hmm. I make it for me and my fans and if my kids happen to hear it and they want to have a conversation about it at any point in time in their life, um we can. Uh me and mortality is I think that's my way of reminding myself of how short life is mm-hmm. and which really uh Really gets the engine going for me and lets me know that I need to enjoy every day and I need to live for other people. Maybe people listening, they might feel like it's sad or why is game talking about this? Mm-hmm. No, no, we don't want anything to happen to you. Um, the reality of it all is something's gonna happen to everybody mm-hmm. at someday. We all got a number, we don't know which day that is, and so me remind me mentioning it in my music is sort of a reminder that this shit is not forever and that today I need to go out and do everything that I that I want to do, that I need to do and just get it done. So for me it's nothing but that. It's not it, it's not no like freaky weird shit or nothing like that or like I'm obsessed with death. I'm definitely not obsessed with getting the fuck off the earth. Like mm-hmm. but I'm in true understanding that that day shall come. And uh, it will pass, and there is life after death, uh, you know, uh, j- you know. in the name of biggie, man, I'll say that. But um, yeah, it's not It's not on the weird, obsessed with like death shit. It's just a reminder to myself, if nobody else, that uh, today should be taken really seriously.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh,
1: no. you got something else?
0: No, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen.
1: Uh, no, oh. Are you sure? sure? <laughs> hey, let's get <give> it <laughs> as you can do it. You promised us a story of how you met Whack, and you didn't give it to us, so. Real quick it's,
2: it. quick, it's quick, it's quick. Um, i met at Whack on Wilshire. Uh, I was about to... Um, I, somebody called me and told me that uh, 50, 40 Glock and G unit was staying at the Andes Hotel on Sunset. So uh, I immediately jumped in my car with every gun that I had oh. with about four cars following me and I don't know what the fuck I thought I was about to do but I really went there to like kill somebody. Mm-hmm. But this was the mind state of the ball head game. Mm-hmm. And this would be the first time I saw 50 since... The shootout in new york right. wow. when you hear that these niggas is on your side and you have the advantage let's roll mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what i did um 50 was up in a hotel i can't go in a, up in a hotel and figure out this nigga room out of 300 rooms do that but who was down there was 40 glock nipsey was there on the wall passing out demos <laughs> this nigga was ev- i feel like nip was everywhere at some point in all these stories i could ever tell you um but Nip was like what up Chuck I was like nigga now I was like what up Nip I'm about to kill these niggas and Nip was like you know moved to him I think he was with Renpaw, if I'm not mistaken but they moved to another pillar Mm -hmm. of the front of the hotel and kind of like stayed out of it and then Suge rose up with this little buff dude and they got out the car and I drew guns because I didn't I don't trust Suge Mm -hmm. from like for nothing I didn't trust Suge. I never trusted Suge. And so I had my my gun out. My cousin had his gun out. We all had guns out. I don't know how. Nobody went to jail because we were on Sunset in the front of a fucking hotel. And uh, Wack came up and he was like, homie, you need some help. You know what I'm saying? And um, I was like, nah, I don't need shit. We here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's how I met Wack. Now, later on, Wack got my number through somebody and was like, I don't know if you thought I was with Suge like that, Suge the homie, but I'm operators, you know, myself, Mm -hmm. but I'm with everything that you're doing. So I told him to come to the studio. Um, I still didn't trust him or know what it was going to be. He came to the studio. I had a conversation with Wack and uh, he basically broke down my whole career. So I told me how he was supporting me. was in, you know, from jail and Mm -hmm. how dreams got him through and this and that. And the only thing I knew to do uh, at the you know at that time was I just was like you know I took ten thousand dollars on my pocket gave it to him and I was like I fuck with you I gave my number wow. and uh, yeah that's how I met Whack, man Dang. yeah well he'll tell you the same thing
0: a story straight from the game yeah, ladies and, again, and gentlemen the people's party is our honor and our privilege to have the it, legendary man. game give it up for the game y'all. Yeah.
2: And you know I don't I don't do these man but that. for my brother man I'm here I love
0: it bro